Welcome everyone to the October 9, 2013 meeting of the Calabasas City Council. I'm Calabasas Mayor Fred Gaines. All council members are present, including Mayor Pro Tem David Shapiro and council members Lucy Martin, Mary Sue Maurer, and James Bazajan. Tonight for our Pledge of Allegiance, we have Michael Reuven is going to lead us. Michael it comes from the great Reuven family of Calabasas. See his dad, Sassy, is here. Michael is an eighth grader at AC Stell. He's in Boy Scout Troop 22. I had the pleasure of attending his incredible bar mitzvah this summer. And uh, Michael, if you'll lead us in the Pledge of Allegiance. I pledge allegiance to the flag of the United States of America and to the republic for which it stands, one nation under God, individual, with liberty and justice for all. Thank you. Thank you, Michael. We have approval of the agenda. Is a motion to approve the agenda? So moved. It's been moved. Is there a second? Seconded. Moved and seconded. Any discussion? Seeing none, all those in favor of approval of the agenda, please say aye. 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 The agenda is approved. We are at our announcements and introductions, and we will start with the sheriff's crime report. We're all waiting for the month when you say there's no report. <laughs> Just don't put me on the agenda and we can work that out. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know if we're set. Oh, here we go. Uh, this crime report is uh, for the month of September, so I'm going to go back, uh, go ahead one slide. Um, for the month of September, as you can see, um, we only had two residential burglaries, um, no business burglaries, 12 vehicle burglaries, um, six grand theft, which is theft of over $950, and then two petty thefts and five unlocked vehicles. I'd like to hit on a couple of the thefts. Um, the one residential burglary, one of the two, uh, person left their house unlocked while they're picking up their kids from school. So as just a reminder, they're going to, people are going to take advantage. So just secure your house when you get a chance or not when you get a chance all the time. Um, and the other burglary was, um, an incident where personal photographs and items were taken. Uh, it's probably, um, the victim and is going through a uh, divorce so most likely it's um, it's somebody that they know based on the items taken um, one of the grand thefts we had was uh, a um, at the Mer Mercedes dealership and um, one of our early morning deputies Steve O'Neill does a great job in Calabasas he's always out working about four o'clock in the morning he heard some power tools and went and investigated and there was about 15 Mercedes up on blocks with all the wheels and rims um, ready to go. So they set up a containment, um, did not find the suspects originally, but did later on in the morning and arrested two people for um, would have been thefts of, of uh, a bunch of car rims and, and tires. So, um, and he also arrested two uh, vehicle burglar suspects about a week earlier 
up on Las Virginas. So Steve O'Neill does a great job in Calabasas, and um, I'm glad I pulled him into the city to help out. So he works early morning shift. Um, going back um, a slide, we had one robbery in the month of September. That was at the gas station right over here next to um, Red Robin. Uh, it's, uh, the two suspects are actually working their way up and down the 101 freeway, um, hitting gas stations and convenient type stores right along the freeway. Um, the assault, we had one assault. Um, that was a, a high school student at a party while the parents were away, and the guest list had 81 people on it. Um, so things got out of hand and some people that weren't necessarily invited showed up and there was some discussion or argument and uh, somebody got hit in the head with a blunt object. So um, that's where our one felony assault for the month occurred. Go through the, the slides really, the, the maps is probably easier to look online um, rather than discussing all in the stats that we're in the previous two slides are listed on the reports on a weekly basis, so you can see where the the, uh, the crimes have occurred um, in the different areas of cities. We have had uh, our vehicle thefts were are primarily up on Las Virginas, north of the 101, or I think it's north, um, and then also um, we had three in the Park Streets. Um, the three in the Park Streets were between September 23rd and 24th. Um, one of the suspects in that used actually a stolen credit card from one of the burglaries in a neighboring city, and so we have a pretty good idea on who that is. Um, so, um, if uh, crime tips, like I've discussed before, please be alert. Call if you see something. To call when you see something, not. I think I might call later. Um, valuables, we get our vehicle burglaries. A lot of them are because people leave stuff in their cars. They leave computers, laptops, uh, iPads, things of that nature in plain view. Put it in your trunk or take it with you, please. Um, make sure you lock your car, lock your doors. Um, we do have our station phone number, and there's also a 1-800 Crime Stoppers uh, phone number or a web tip. And then we have three uh, detectives assigned to uh, Calabasas, and their phone numbers are up there. Um, if you are the victim of a crime or you have information, you can contact them, and their direct phone numbers are up on the screen or can be, um, I believe, our, the crime reports on the website, on the city website. Um, and again, thank you for the city for assisting and paying for a crime technician. Um, she frequently gets either DNA hits. She is DNA trained, which is very rare. Um, for somebody assigned to a station. Usually they're out of our main crime lab. Um, but she also takes prints, and we do get hits, and we, um, we've gotten two on recent crimes where they've come back and identified people. So thank you for, for assisting and funding that. Do you have any questions? Thank you, Lieutenant Ward. We appreciate the report, all the work that you and everyone at Lost Hill Station does. Thank you so much. Any questions or comments from council members? It's good to see that there, at least the, the burglary numbers are going down from the uptick we had at the beginning of the year. And I think it's just important uh, to follow those crime tips. People need to call. We're, we've gotten used to 
just minding our own business and not uh, picking up the phone to call if we see something suspicious, please, right yeah, see? <laughs> please um, you know, call the, uh, the station when you see something. Let them know. And let, let the deputies go out and take a look and uh, see if something's going on or something's connected to other things going on. We really need everyone's help in, in doing that. So yeah. thank you very much. You're welcome. Thank you. Okay. Uh, announcements and introductions. I'll go to the council. We'll start with Councilwoman Martin. Um, just a reminder that again, um, November 17th is the uh, open house for the 10 year anniversary of Amundsen's Ranch. Uh, this Saturday is our uh, flu clinic. For residents of Calabasas, you can receive a free flu shot or if you have um, a child under the age of 10, they can do the, uh, the nasal spray. Um, it's from 8 a.m. to 12 p.m. It's in Founders Hall, and it will be on a first-come, first-served basis. Thank you. Mayor Pro Tem Shapiro. Just briefly, I'd like to thank everyone uh, from council to staff to parent volunteers who were involved all over the city today in our international walk to school day it was a, uh, a big success kids had a great time and and the goal is to encourage all of our kids to walk to school so uh, thank you to everyone involved uh, along those lines we also had a celebration here this last week uh, international uh, along the international lines I know we had the mayor from Ireland come here the problem this last week we had a number of mayors from uh, Japan and delegation from Japan here in the city and I want to thank staff again and uh, our city manager Tony Corrales who in the last minute put together a very nice presentation uh, and Robert Yaldon, uh, Jim Jordan uh, took them all through the city. They were very interested in primarily disaster preparedness and we were really happy to have them here. On also, uh, this for coming up, uh, up uh, October 17th is the first high school, Calabas High School music concert. For anyone who's interested, they can go on the site uh, or get tickets. That's all the jazz and orchestras and string quartets uh, that will be performing. That's their first concert of the year. It's their big, big first concert. There is also, I'm going to leave. I'm going to leave the rest of the announcements to everybody else up here so that's it thanks thank you councilman Bazajan. I want to thank the sheriff's foundation the Los Angeles Sheriff's Foundation they ran a great um, golf classic that raised some money for the foundation on September 30th at the Country Club I want to thank the water district for a most educational and informative tour of the Malibu Creek watershed which was held about 10 days ago councilmember Gaines and I went on the trip along with uh, other elected officials from around the region and I encourage uh, the public, these are some pictures, I encourage the public uh, when it's offered to the public to go uh, because you don't often think of the course of the water and the history of the water and, and, and the background um, until you're actually there and it's kind of educational to learn about it and, and more than just turning on the, on the uh, faucet and turning on the shower. So thank you to the Water District. We do appreciate when you offer us these opportunities. Um, two announcements. Uh, the Calabasas Pumpkin Festival, October 19th and 20th, 10 a.m. to 5 p.m. at Danza Park and the surrounding area, which will be closed off. Um, 
Five dollar admission, kids under two free. And then our trunk or treat uh, event, second annual trunk or treat event at the Agora Hills Calabasas Community Center on Thursday, October 31st, Halloween, 3 p.m. to 5 p.m. for children and free admission to the public. Uh, and one final note, um, we want to remind everybody that we, after many, many years of talking about it, um, literally over 10, we finally have up and running the a signal at Park Granada and Park Capri. Please be aware that the signal's there. It's a little change in the traffic patterns for those who've been around a while and, and act accordingly. Thank you. Thank you, Councilwoman Mauer. I have two announcements. Um, next Wednesday, October 16th at AC Stell Middle School from 7 to 8 is an emergency preparedness night. All families and children are welcome. It's just a short hour where you can find out how you can best be prepared for a large-scale event. Um, there will be um, information on training and materials, etc. And then I also just wanted to um, mention that in, at the Pumpkin Festival on uh, October 19th and 20th will be a drive in memory of Kevin Cordasco, and I think many of you know Kevin Cordasco, our former mayor, uh, honorary mayor, um, who passed away earlier this year. And one of the things he wanted to do was bring attention to um, teens that are suffering from cancer. So his parents and, and council member Basajian and I, on behalf of our council and our city, have been working with them to launch an event. So the first event is going to be a drive for items for teens um, at, currently at Children's Hospital. And these are often overlooked children who, um, when celebrities and sports athletes come through, go to see the small children. And Kevin always thought that the older teens needed some attention and some um, TLC. So it's a drive for teen things like, and he actually had a, had a list and his mother, um, headphones, hoodies with soft zippers, maybe warm fuzzy socks, maybe you could read. Beanie hats. Soft blankets in solid colors, dry erase boards and pens, art supplies, manicure sets, makeup, or gift cards for things like iTunes and so forth. So we, um, the city is hosting a booth at the, at the Pumpkin Festival and we'll be collecting those things and we're also going to be setting up uh, places at the high school and probably city hall. So if you're coming to the Pumpkin Festival or be on the lookout for more information about this first drive in memory of Kevin. Thank you for those announcements. A couple of other additional things. We are gonna be having two elections in Calabasas in November because one is not enough. This is uh, unfortunately a silly uh, anomaly of, of uh, special elections and so forth, but I don't want people to be confused. You've already received, or you should have already received, a, um, your uh, a ballot booklet, and if you're a vote-by-mail voter, your vote-by-mail ballot and if you have not, you should be calling the, the county uh, registrar for the school board election, which is coming up on November the 4th. Vote by mail ballots are available and being cast now with the election day of November 4th. There's five candidates running for school board. This is for the Las Virgins School District. That's the only item on the ballot on November 4th. Then on November 19th, 
there is the runoff election in the special election for the state assembly to fill the state assembly seat, which Calabasas is in, which is uh, currently vacant, vacated by uh, Bob Blumenfield being elected to Los Angeles City Council. There are two candidates in a runoff, um, Matt Dubobne and Susan Shelley, and you should probably next week be receiving another sample ballot uh, and booklet uh, and then separate. So don't be confused by this. Don't throw stuff away because you think you already got it or they're mailing you two things. There are two separate elections. It's confusing, but we ask people please to pay attention and uh, participate in those upcoming elections on November 4th and November 19th. I want to congratulate the city of Agoura Hills on their Reyes Adobe Day celebration and the city of Calabasas participated with our trolley in their parade this past uh, Saturday. It was very enjoyable and congratulations to them. Uh, tomorrow morning is the Chamber of Commerce monthly breakfast, 7 o'clock, 7.15 it starts at the Calabasas Country Club and hopefully people will come out for that. We appreciate everything that our Chamber of Commerce does and uh, ask you to support them. And uh, on a personal note, today is 31 years after the luckiest day of my life, which was the day that I went on a blind date with Jill, Moore, Jill Ann Morey. And uh, so if she's watching, which I know she's not, happy anniversary to Sweetie. Okay. With that, I think we're done with um, announcements. And we'll move to, the, to oral communications, public comment. Uh, if you would like to speak during public comment or during any of our items on the agenda tonight, you need to fill out a speaker card. The speaker cards are located on the table in the back. Fill out the card, come up and hand it to the city clerk, and then you'll be uh, called forth to the podium to speak. Uh, and we have a timer that uh, gives you a maximum of three minutes, gives you a warning at 30 seconds, and then uh, turns red at three minutes. So we ask you please to try and follow our protocols on that. And we'll start our announcements with Rachel Burnap, followed by Cheryl Feldman. Hello. Hi. Um, I'm Rachel Burnap with Mountains Restoration Trust. Welcome. And we just wanted to formally invite you, as well as the community of Calabasas, to our largest fundraiser of the year. Um, our October 22nd, you know, mark your calendars, um, we will be hosting a fun casino night at the beautiful Saddle Peak Lodge in Montanito. Um, it should be a, a fun night of mock gambling, um, Vegas-style casino with craps and blackjack and roulette. Um, also, we'll be having a, a live band, as well as um, Saddle Peak's famous appetizers. So October 22nd, uh, 6 o'clock to 10 o'clock, and you can register and get your tickets online at uh, mrtcasino.eventbrite.com. Thank you. Rachel, thank you very much for coming. And uh, I plan to be there. Mm -hmm. And the MRT does incredible work. They're our partner, as you know, in a lot of programs. And uh, urge everyone to heed your words and support uh, MRT fundraiser It'll on October 22nd. October 22nd. It'll be a great opportunity to um, learn a little bit more about what MRT does, as well as for the environment. So. Councilman Mauer, did you want to make a comment? No, I was just going to suggest Rachel take one minute to <coughs> explain what MRT is, the Mountains Restoration Trust, because I, I don't think um, some of the people here know. Mountains Restoration Trust is a nonprofit land trust in the Santa Monica Mountains. Um, we are based in Calabasas. 
Um, what we do is a lot of people will call us up and wish to donate their land so it can be preserved and forever can be conserved um, and also a lot of people wish to donate or sell conservation easements meaning the landowner still holds the deed to their land but certain portion of their land is uh, preserved for wildlife and native habitat. We also do mitigation in the Santa Monica Mountains as well as restore native habitat and wildland. So, and also we do a lot of educational programs. So it's it's definitely a, a great organization, and I'm, I'm very proud to work for them. So, thank you. And they are located at the corner of Mulholland Highway and Old Topanga. When you pass by there and you wonder what that is, that's the MRT headquarters and their educational site and the historic site right there in coordination with the city. And we appreciate all you do and okay. urge people to stop by and visit you. There's some great hiking trails there as well. So thank, thank you. you for coming. Our next uh, car during uh, oral communication public comment is Cheryl Feldman. And uh, I do not have any other cards for, for oral communication. So anyone else who wants to speak, please get your card in now. Cheryl, welcome. Hi, thank you. I'm back. I just wanted to bring you all up to date on the state of our three cul-de-sacs. Um, we've been patient and we've waited for everything to be done. And it's done. And um, they've had to make some changes and modify some of the work in the cul-de-sacs. Um, I need you to know that for me personally, living on Park Adelpha, um, without any exaggeration and completely truthfully, I've almost been hit three times. Uh, the people coming to the cul-de-sacs where it says yield, I would say one out of four yield many of the people are not yielding so it's our responsibility as we turn into our homes to stop and wait because we don't really trust that the people will yield the right-of-way uh, the other problem is as you turn into the turnaround the speeders that have gotten speed from uh, Park Aura down to the first turnaround are going so fast that as I pull in to get myself around and get in um, almost hit. Um, I feel that the people who've been impacted the most are the homeowners on the three cul-de-sacs. And um, our lives have changed in lots of ways. We're nervous driving in, we're nervous driving out. And um, I'm especially nervous for a lot of my neighbors who are elderly but still driving. Um, there's less places to park we have to have our guests come on our driveways or in our garages or park our own cars away. And um, it's dangerous. And what I was told, um, Mr. Corrales and, and uh, Robert Alda, both were so kind to come over in the beginning when I was mortified about it happening. And I need to stress again to especially um, James, how do I pronounce your name? That, again, I want you to know that we had a homeowners meeting uh, concerning this, and um, it was uh, almost 100% of the three cul-de-sac family uh, homeowners there and many, many others, probably 50 to 80 people were there. We were asked at one time to raise our hands if we, in fact, by the, the president, please raise your hand if you were notified of this going in, the turnarounds. And maybe one person raised their hand, and I think it was the wife of someone on the board. 
we weren't notified. We truly weren't, or we would have stood up as we are now. And um, that's just it. I want to keep you up to date on how we're doing, and so far, so good. But I think it's a dangerous place. Thank you. Well, thank you. We appreciate your comments. Okay. Uh, Lieutenant Bob Ward has not had enough. This one's easy. Um, this Saturday, October 12th at Red Robin from 11 in the morning till 8 at night, uh, we're doing tip a cup. And what we're doing is we're, they say we're assisting servers, but pretty much we're getting the way. But what we do is uh, we're raising money for Special Olympics. And so what we do is um, we work for tips, not for the servers, because that's how they make their money, but we work for additional tips and try to have some fun. So there'll be deputies um, working from lunchtime through through a dinner service at the Red Robin right here in Calabasas to make money for uh, Special Olympics. So um, don't expect the service to be better than it usually is, <laughs> but um, hopefully you have fun and a good time. And, and uh, it really gives, I've done it at Claim Jumper, Red Robin, Applebee's, several places. and. Uh, it's much easier being a policeman than it is being a server. They, what, they really, really work. So what date is it gives that? you a new appreciation for what they do. So please come out this Saturday, uh, 11 in the morning till 8 o'clock at night at Red Robin. Thank you. Thank you very much. It is amazing to me, our, our sheriffs, our firefighters, how much charitable work they do uh, beyond their regular work. And I and, uh, hope everyone will come out to Red Robin this Saturday for that. Okay, I have no further cards for oral communications public comment. And we will move to the consent agenda. Does, uh, are there any members of the council who would like to pull any item from the consent agenda? just want to, when you're done, recognize the two appointees, prospective appointees. We will after they uh, receive, but I don't need to pull. if they receive approval. I said prospective. Okay. All right. Consent agenda as is. Very number, good. We'll be voting now then on the. I'd like to pull number four. Oh, okay. Number four. So, consent agenda uh, is before us items one, two, three, and five. So moved. Second. It's been moved and seconded. All those in favor, please say aye. 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 Those items are adopted, and that includes the appointment of Heath Patton as a board member and Robert Blackstone as a board alternate to the Agora Hills. Calabasas Community Center uh, JPA board congratulations uh, to both of you Heath uh, uh, lives uh, on the west side of town and is a is a user of the Agoura Hills Calabasas Community Center professionally in the sports marketing and management business and uh, I think he'll be a great addition to our board so thank you for stepping up to volunteer and congratulations to you and Robert I think I saw Robert come in where's Robert there's Robert back there our international fitness champion uh, and uh, uh, someone who's been involved for many, many years, lives in the Calabasas Village, and um, it's uh, wonderful for you to step forward. We really appreciate it. Look forward to having you serve on, uh, on the board. So congratulations to both of you, and thank you very much. Okay. Welcome to you. All right, item, uh, consent item number four is before us. Uh, you, you, Councilman Martin, are you requesting a staff report on that? 
No, I just, um, I had a question that um, I noticed that, that uh, Mr. Kramer is still the, uh, the sole owner of both firms, and I wanted to know why he was dropping one and going with and opening a new. He was operating two firms. One was just wireless without legal services, and the other was legal services, and so he was paying all of the insurance and bookkeeping for two firms, and he found that everything that he was doing with the one had some sort of legal analyses involved, and so he decided to consolidate into the uh, law firm. And the, the telecom law firm was the second entity that he was doing, or this is a, a new one? No, he had both of them. He had both of them. Okay. All right, are there any Thank other you. questions or comments on item number four? Is there a motion? So moved. Second. It's been moved and seconded to approve item number four. Is there any further discussion? All those in favor of item number four say aye. 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 Opposed? Item number four carries. We are on to new business. Item number six, Las Virginas Municipal Water District presentation regarding the Bay Delta Conservation Plan and consideration of resolution number 2013-1390 in support of the Bay Delta Conservation Plan, reliable water supplies and environmental restoration. And uh, Jeff, who will be making the presentation? from the Las Virgins Municipal Water District. Thank you, Mayor. Uh, I'm here tonight uh, in my role as uh, the Public Affairs Communications Manager for the Water District. And what we're asking uh, the Council to consider, as we are all of the uh, cities uh, within our service area, is an expression of support for the process that's uh, currently underway in uh, developing the Bay Delta Conservation Plan, or BDCP as it's known. The uh, BDCP is important to us for this reason. We are in this district entirely dependent upon imported water supplies from Northern California. We have no local sources of water. So the BDCP has risen out of a long process that the state's been uh, engaged in well over five years at this point. And uh, the uh, process uh, uh, looks at the notion of bringing stability to the Bay Delta's environmental system or ecosystem and also the co-equal goal that was passed into law in 2009 with the state water package that was uh, signed by Governor Schwarzenegger back then. Uh, the co-equal goal is water supply reliability for those entities that are dependent upon the, um, uh, the uh, uh, Delta for its waters. So. We brought just a few slides with you tonight to share with you some of the uh, important data from that. Uh, if you look at that one, it shows the uh, uh, uses of the uh, Delta's waters. Uh, nearly half of it goes out to the Pacific Ocean. Uh, the upstream consumptive use for the farms and cities uh, upstream of the Delta uh, at uh, right around 30%, and then Delta exports. If you look at the small slice of the pie there, 4% of that water comes down south here to the Metropolitan Water District. Uh, the remainder of that is used by uh, cities and communities in the uh, Delta, uh, uh, south of the Delta, and uh, the uh, farms, of course, uh, along the way. The agriculture is a, uh, a large use, but there's also industrial institutional use upstream as well. The exports uh, from the Delta are the state water project, which is what we're dependent upon, and then the federal project, the Central Valley project. The risks with the Delta are this. Uh, we've uh, all been aware of the Delta smelt issue uh, being an impairment to exports in the Delta to protect the threatened species. 
seismic risk, the uh, collapse of any of the delta levees can cause an inrush of water from the San Francisco Bay. That's salt water, which would, of course, immediately shut down the pumps. A larger instance where more salt water came in could shut down the pumps for a considerable period of time. Uh, subsidence is an issue that uh, is really amazing to see if you travel along the delta's levees. On one side, you will see water up almost to the, uh, the top of the levee. On the other side, some 30 feet below the water level in some instances, you'll see farming going on. Over the years, as that farming was uh, conducted in the delta, it consumed the soils, and that's how you actually get uh, farming going on below the, uh, the uh, level of the, uh, the water there. The Bay Delta Conservation Plan takes into restoration of many of the troubled areas of the Delta's uh, environmental issues and looks to achieve uh, water supply reliability for the state water project using the uh, conveyance that's uh, been developed uh, in the form of twin tunnels. We're sometimes asked why two. Well, you know, two gives you redundancy, but it also allows for inspection and maintenance of, uh, of a tunnel. But uh, importantly, the uh, limit of those tunnels would be 9,000 cubic feet per second, which is actually below the entire level that's authorized to export from the delta. Other issues uh, are the uh, state-of-the-art fish screens that would be protective of the fish, uh, a forebay temporarily uh, storing the water before it's pumped into the system, and as I mentioned, those tunnels uh, would be uh, 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 an air, I'm sorry, <laughs> those tunnels would be uh, gravity-fed uh, through the Delta system so that uh, pumping would not be necessary. That provides the reliability side of it. The ecosystem restoration importantly goes to uh, the 57 species that have been cataloged there, over 145,000 acres permanently dedicated to preservation of the threatened species up there and providing new and safer habitat areas for the species in the Delta. So those co-equal goals are the common theme that runs through the, uh, the BDCP. The other uh, part of it is looking at reducing those environmental stressors, uh, and those include some man-made items, uh, toxic pollutants, the uh, invasive species, for example, the uh, largemouth bass up there. Uh, that was an import, and it uh, loves to consume delta smelt and salmon fry. Uh, predator control is a, a part of this. Uh, illegal poaching is, uh, uh, sadly, a practice that does go on up there but enhanced uh, hatchery practices will help also restore some of those species. Costs are projections, uh, and we would certainly admit that, but uh, these, they're getting pretty good at, uh, at doing this. Uh, I won't go down the uh, chapter and verse of all of this, but this is part of your package, and uh, the overall cost of this $24.5 billion. Importantly, we want to stress that the water bond that's currently uh, under consideration in Sacramento scheduled for the ballot next year in 2014 does not include funding for the Bay Delta tunnels. Uh, there might be some funding in there that is working its way through on some of the environmental mitigation. Most of that bond does go for environmental mitigation, not only in the Delta, but elsewhere in the state if it's passed. But uh, there's some folks who are somewhat understandably confused that the, uh, the bond is directly linked to the tunnels project. It is not. Instead, uh, it's a beneficiary pays principle uh, by which those folks who benefit from the uh, project would in fact be the folks who pay for those projects or pay for the project. So the sequence is this. The uh, BDCP environmental impact uh, uh, documents are due to be released this month. However, <laughs> they have to be published in the Federal Register and as we all know, 
uh, our friends in the federal government aren't as functional as the uh, folks in local government here. So until it's published in the uh, Federal Register, and that may be a matter of days or weeks, uh, it can only be published on a Friday. Uh, so every Friday that goes by kicks it by at least another week. Uh, but when it is published, there will be a 120-day review period for everyone to have input in this process. Now, there's been considerable input already, and, and a very collaborative process, an extensive process, has been conducted not only in the Sacramento region but statewide. But the uh, final uh, uh, BDCP uh, uh, document is uh, expected then to uh, be developed in the spring of 2014, and the habitat restoration goes on for a 40-year period. The tunnel construction would go on over a 10-year period, and that's if we get to work on, uh, on these projects as, uh, as projected in this particular timeline. And one other important question, and this is uh, the big one for me, is the risk of doing nothing we just continue on the path that we're on. And for example, earlier this year, there was a surplus of water in December. You might remember the rains that we had earlier this year, and then it didn't rain afterwards. Well, a lot of that water could not be pumped into the region for storage even, or to replenish the reservoirs down here because the uh, threatened species were found in proximity to the pumps. So that water essentially got away, and uh, it was a missed opportunity. If we do nothing, we'll see more and more instances of that, more of the same. We would not have the reliability, the ecosystem would continue in decline, and uh, the stranded investments that have already been made in water supply reliability would be substantial. If there is a major levy failure, uh, it could be by a quake or it could be as what happened in June of 2004 on a perfectly nice day when nothing was going on. A levy collapsed, there was an inflow of water from the bay, and an entire island was, uh, was flooded and the pumps had to be shut down at that point in time. Uh, we, as, again, as a community and as a region that is reliant upon that water, uh, I think uh, we do want to look at the uh, reliability side of the equation. Then, of course, uh, the $40 billion estimated impact to California's economy, not just agriculture, not just uh, uh, the day-to-day -day living of our, uh, our customers and the residents of this region, but all of the commerce that depends on water from restaurants to uh, food preparation to just about any other business, hospitality. Uh, water is central to all of those functions. So what we're asking the uh, council to consider tonight is an expression of support for the process and to have uh, this process open to uh, the general public for their input and comments. Uh, there's going to be a number of uh, seminars and uh, uh, sessions, working sessions put on throughout the state. And we would encourage folks to participate in that process because there's a lot to be considered under it. Uh, with that, uh, that would conclude my presentation to the uh, council tonight. But uh, with me is our uh, director, uh, from two of our directors from our board, Glenn Peterson, who is also on the Metropolitan Water District Board. And we also have uh, our board president, Charles Casperi, here tonight and uh, my general manager, and see, see that's why I'm so nervous tonight, I got all these bosses here, you know. <laughs> our, our general manager, David W. Peterson, is here as well. So if you have any questions, we're certainly equipped to uh, answer those. And uh, if there's other commentary, we'd certainly appreciate hearing from the, uh, the council tonight. So with that, I thank you, Mayor. And by the way, uh, just for the record, we did supply the council with uh, a couple of documents that uh, do go to uh, this particular issue. One is uh, uh, one that was issued by the Metropolitan Water District about the reliability of the process, and the other was on the Bay Delta Conservation Plan and restoring the uh, uh, Delta ecosystem. 
and we appreciate you having taken a look at those. Thank you very much. Uh, Council, any questions uh, for the staff report before we open to public comment? I have one question. Um, are your, did your directors take a unanimous position in favor of this? I will turn that over to the elected officials. <laughs> My recollection is yes, we did. Though the answer was yes. Well, the audience doesn't pick it up. Pick it up. Um, yes. His answer was yes. Okay. Any other questions uh, on the on the report? Okay, we do have one card on this, and that is uh, Connor Everts. Mr. Everts, welcome. Thank you very much, uh, Mayor, fellow council people. I would, um, it's hard to be against a process. Um, this has been a long, ongoing issue. Um, you may have heard of the peripheral canal in 1982 that was voted down. We then had um, CalFed, um, which was another long process that did some environmental restoration but ran out of federal money before it could move forward. This is the latest iteration and it's changed quite a bit. So my name is Connor Everts and I'm executive director of the Southern California Watershed Alliance. Uh, you've, I believe, received the letter from the Envi Environmental Water Caucus, um, which is made up of organizations across the state. Um, so we've actually participated in the process. Um, we have a lot of questions, um, starting with the environmental um, impact it will have. Um, next on the actual cost, it doesn't include the um, financing costs, so add another 20 million to the 25, and you're looking at part of what the cost will really cost us over time. And then the actual governance issue, um, which is always a challenge, you know, where water is for fighting in California. So um, we um, think that when, and I know there's a delay, it was supposed to be the 15th because of the federal shutdown, but when the actual EIR comes out, you actually look at that. And um, um, I give a lot of credit to Las Virginas Water District, to the conservation programs they do, what they do with recycled water. I grew up fishing for steelhead successfully at times in Malibu Creek. So I, I appreciate the area, but um, I think these water policies um, uh, need to be looked at and not just um, accepted on face value. Um, we've done an alternatives report and um, there are also other proposals that are out there too, including uh, challenging the, um, the levees um, and the needs to actually shore them up and there's money available to start doing that now. That process has started. And there's another federal, pro I mean, I'm sorry, state process at the State Water Resources Control Board that actually deals with the flows and we really need to know the answers of how much water should go into the Delta and how much should go out before we make these larger decisions and financial commitments. Thank you very much. Thank and you. And if there are any questions, I'd be happy to answer them as well. Yes, council members, uh, we'll allow questions if there's questions for Mr. Everts. There may, there might be. Okay. Okay. Thank if you. If you'll stick around during for our discussion. All right. I have no other uh, cards uh, on this item unless uh, any of the water district board members or Director Peterson would like to speak. I do, ha I do have cards from, uh, from Mr. Peterson, both Mr. Peterson. Oh. <laughs> yeah, it's a common name. Um, uh, Mayor Gaines, uh, honorable council people uh, of the city of Calabasas, new home to uh, Batman, I guess. Um, <laughs> I like your new display. <laughs> 
good humor. Um, the uh, probably temporary home for Batman, I would guess. No, it's not temporary. <laughs> <laughs> Anyways, I, I'm Glenn Peterson. I sit on the Las Vegas Water Board. I represent about a third of your city. Uh, uh, I don't live in the city, however. And uh, the I've been on the board for 27 years, and I'm on the Met Board for 20 years. And uh, in 1960, when the State Water Project was built, there were no environmental laws. And Pat, Pat Brown ran out of money, and he said, we'll put the water source for most of California in the greatest estuary in the West Coast, and let it be. And since then, we've suffered slightly, but it's getting more and more heavy a burden to deal with. Uh, this year, they told you it's a million acre feet we lost. Million acre feet is the same amount of water that Met annually will take out of the river. It's water that comes out of Oroville. It's, it's our water. It's, it's water that we saved, the state saved for us. It's not Northern California water. There is no Northern California water, Southern California water. It's California water. And, and uh, this, this water was lost. As a result, San Luis Reservoir, which is kind of like the battery that charges the, 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 the federal project and the state project for, for times of, of harshness, is down to 24% right now. That is very low. It's, it's at the intake of the, uh, uh, the San Jose area, Santa Clara Water District. Now, this is important because we have a, over a trillion dollar economy that's, that, is, that is supported by this. And when you're talking about shutting down one third of the water that goes to Silicon Valley, when you're talking about shutting down, which we've, we've had shut down over, over a uh, uh, half a million, a quarter million acre feet in Metropolitan Water District. This is water that will service us in the future. We can get by this year. We can maybe get by next year. But what happens if we have an earthquake? Uh, this plan is, has been devised uh, with very responsible controls in it. The, there is no way that you can pump 9,000 acre feet of water out of that river unless there's about 60,000 acre feet of water in the river. If there's 15,000 acre feet of water in the river, you can pump about 1,000 acre, acre feet. So it's, it's, it's stepped up. It's, it, it is a very responsible program. We are doing environmental work right now on, on, the, on, on the Bay Delta. We've been doing it for years. We've, we've spent millions and millions of dollars buying land in the Yolo Bypass where we, we raise fish. Uh, they actually grow there where they don't go in the Sacramento River because there's actual food. Uh, and, uh, and also uh, in moving on estuary work. So I just wanted to tell you that this is a very important project for this district to continue to thrive. Thank you. Can I, can I ask a quick question? How would the uh, city passing the resolution be helpful to, uh, to the water district? I think you are a political body. Uh, it, it, it's not going to make the governor's mind up. He's, he's kind of on the right side on this one. He wants to finish his dad's project. But I think if the people of the state, uh, you know, through the cities, you know, support projects like this, it says we want to survive. And that's what it is for this district because we have no water, no groundwater. We have a well. You know the name of it. Those of you who have been on our tours, Old Stinky. And our <laughs> water quality is very poor. Uh, in our in our area, we cannot use it. It's not drinkable. So for us, it's a matter of survival. You know, if we don't have a state water project that is functional, and that is controlled by the by the uh, biological opinions which come out of federal courts, we're messed up. So I think it's very helpful to to the process. Thank you. Thank you. 
All right, council members, is there discussion or any further questions on this matter? Could, could I start off, please? Sure. Um, this is a very complex, incredibly expensive um, undertaking in Northern California. I received two handouts um, and a five-minute presentation that I'm supposed to base a decision on supporting not, not the plan itself, the process, but I, ha I heard little about the process and there's not much about the process here. There's a draft DIR coming out next month. I would ask this council to hold off on taking any action tonight. Um, I do not feel that we have enough information. And I think uh, passing a resolution on something as complex and important as this requires a lot more homework with staff input. So I would ask that we postpone a vote on this. Okay, is there any further discussion? Any, any other members? Mayor Pro Tem Shapiro. Uh, it may be premature also. I, I heard mention uh, by Mr. Everts of uh, the alternatives, and it, I would like to know if we could, and again, this might be premature if we're talking about tabling it or putting this over. I think he's busy. No, I'm happy to talk about them. The, um, I thought you wanted a longer presentation, but very quickly, um, one of them is what's essentially called a mini tunnel um, at, a, at a, a much reduced cost and um, includes the environmental restoration. I, I think part of the problem in the financing of this is the assumption that the water bond will go through and that ag will pay its share. So um, not knowing those things, the smaller proposal, which is um, some cities, including San Diego, and uh, some environmental groups have put forward um, uh, recognizes the cost need to come down. I think the, uh, the other proposal that Environmental Water Caucus has actually is about maintaining flows within the Delta, increasing um, self-sufficiency in Southern California. Um, you know, we don't, in Southern California, we get about 25% from the state water project. We also get water from the Colorado River and uh, some areas like where I live in Santa Monica because of our groundwater are able to go independent. So what we've seen over the last um, 10, 15 years is a reduction in demand. And all these programs assume that we'll, people continue to use more and more water, but it's really been quite the opposite. So in a way, we've created an alternative by needing less water. And the projects assume that there's always going to be more water, but in reality, and the proponents will say that, this project is at this point only to give the same amount of water you're getting out of it now. And we know that big agriculture in the Central Valley is looking for more water, not less. So it's a lot of speculation. But I'd be happy to, uh, if it comes back, um, give you the other proposals that are out there so you have a basis of comparison. Thank you. Thank you very much. I think that'd be very helpful. And well, then the only, other, the only other question I had or thought, again, I grew up in Northern California, so I'm aware of Northern California's somewhat view of, the, of their water, and it's not their water, it is state water. Um, I am interested uh, as in seeing the, the EIR and the reports that come out. I certainly, in listening and reading what we have, I do, uh, at least in theory, support this process. I don't know that the council is ready to make that decision today. Any other comments? It, you know, originally when we discussed this, there were supposedly the main objection was environmental issues. 
And tonight, I mean, I, I think I'm hearing cost issues were mostly brought up. So now we're talking about going back and looking at an EIR. I mean, I'm really not clear on what the, what the basis of these objections are. Um, I don't, I mean, if the alternative is to build a smaller tunnel, uh, I'm not sure that's going to be so much less cost, and I don't think it's going to meet the needs. I don't know what we're waiting for the EIR for, what we're supposed to, what, what's, let me ask it then directly. Um, what, what is, what are you expecting to show up in the EIR that's going to be objectionable, potentially? So, just recently in the last month, uh, the presentation you were given, the tunnels have gone from 35 to 30 miles and they've realigned the location. Um, which has created another set of issues to study. But what we're really looking for is the response from the state and federal fisheries agencies to this proposal. Because just moving the um, location of the intakes is going to create another set of problems. And we've been waiting for that evaluation. And because that's been a concern, we've seen changes in this project as it's been proposed through the last year. So um, we're looking for, you know, an ERI should give you your final preferred alternative project and the alternatives. We're looking, waiting to see what that is. There have been uh, a lot of mention about the tunnels, but that's not final until okay, the EIR. You don't have a specific out. one right now that you're looking I, at. The, the one specific one we are looking for is the federal and state fisheries agencies' response to the latest proposal that we've seen. Well, didn't the, didn't the Metropolitan Water District, haven't they been the ones working on the on the fisheries before? I mean, haven't they created the whole system, the hatcheries and all that? No, that's actually done by um, both um, state and federal agencies. Rather, the Metropolitan Water District works with, but they don't actually do the, that work. So th there's, you know, it's difficult. There's multiple agencies involved in this. That's partly why this process has taken a long time. And there have been a lot of challenges to, to it, and there will be others. But this really is the first time to see the project when it comes out at the EIR. And that's why we're asking at least to wait to that point. Um, I do have to warn you, it's a very large, I'm six foot six, this is eight foot tall, it's that much paper, and Metropolitan has hired enough people to review that. Um, and I have to say we have a, a, a large group of people that are reviewing it as well. There's already been 20,000 pages that have come out in administrative draft on this issue. So it's a huge project and it is very complex so it's it, hard to but, make but those then decisions. I guess I'm the ultimate question is if it comes back where the impacts are minimal or non-existent in a negative way to the to the wildlife mm -hmm. to the fish um, are you still going to be opposed to this no if they actually respond to the things that we've been suggesting all the way along and we see that in the EIR we would respond positively to it we're not just against it as as a project, but what we've seen so far has left a lot of unanswered questions. Okay, but I guess some, it sounds like you would be because they're not going to, I mean, the EIR is just going to evaluate what they've submitted, the proposal they've submitted, right? Well, the draft EIR will come out with their preferred project, and then we'll go through that 120-day process where they'll respond to all the comments that come in for a final. That's the, the process we're talking about. What you're being asked to, the, is to, 
to support the process up to this point, and I'm saying we haven't really got to anywhere yet. Okay, there are any I'm other sorry, it is confusing, but thank you. Any other questions for Mr. Everts? Was the, did the district uh, have a comment? And then this will be the final comment that we'll come back to council for action on the, uh, on the item. Good evening, mayor and council members. <clears throat> My name is Charlie Casperi. I represent part of the city of Calabasas and serve as Las Virginis Water District Board Chair. The resolution before you is to support the process. The draft EIR is part of the process. The evaluation of the EIR, the public comment, the study of the alternatives, they're all part of the process. This is the way projects are evaluated across this country and this project has supporters and very uh, vocal opponents as Connor stated water is for fighting over it's been that way in California for well over a hundred years the resolution is to support the process not the project it's the if you're not going to support the process what do you propose as an alternative? Going straight to court? I don't know, you know? So I would urge your support of the resolution tonight. Thank you very much. Thank you very much. I have a, I have a, a comment. Yes. The, the process is happening now, correct? We are going through the process. So whether we approve or not approve a resolution, we are still going through the process. Okay. Are there, uh, are there any further comments or questions from the, from the council? Yes, comments? Yes, comments. Well, as, as uh, Charles Gasperi was speaking, I looked at the, um, the actual last paragraph again and it's it's exactly what he said it's supporting the process it's not it's not saying don't listen to the EIR or don't I mean to me it's a very innocuous request I don't remember the water district ever coming to us before and asking us for anything like this or anything else they're asking for our support they're not asking us to ram this through uh, it points out in the whereas is that this is supported not only by them uh, but by other groups, by the governor. I mean, a whole spectrum of people across the political spectrum, and I don't, I don't understand why we wouldn't support it. I mean, it, okay, the governor's not going to, everyone's not going to wait until to see what we're doing tonight before they decide whether or not it's going to pass or through. But in as much as they're asking for a little local support, I don't have a problem giving it to them. Okay, any other comments? I will just reiterate that the two handouts that I have here are about the project. The presentation this evening was about the project. I heard nothing about any timelines, any kind of process. I think it's a little tricky. Um, there was a slide on the timeline. Well, okay, one slide on the timeline. Could you put that up again? I want to see the, is that possible? Um, I think that really this is just and I, and I appreciate my water district and, and looking out for us ratepayers and, and a stable water source, but I'm, I'm not inclined to, to support a process. We've never, in my, and 
since I've been here. I've never been asked to support a process. I think what it'll be interpreted is that we support the project and, and um, I'm, I'm, I think we should wait until we have more information about the process even. Are there other further comments? I'll, I'll, I'll make my comments. Um, the, tonight is a microcosm of why the state has never been able to move forward on this water project. Uh, it, is a, it is a very complicated issue. It's a very difficult issue. Uh, and for my entire adult life, uh, there's been a debate as to what to do to, uh, with, with everyone acknowledging there is a need to improve this system, uh, we are now a generation later without having made those improvements, closer to that system not working uh, to the point where we're able to do the one thing that every one of my constituents absolutely takes for granted and demands, and that is that they're going to turn their faucet and good, pure, clean water is going to come out. Uh, when I go door to door, when I went door to door campaigning, the number one thing I heard was not about anything the city did. It was about water rates and water issues. And uh, I have learned a lot more about what our water district does. I'm very appreciative of what they do. When they come to us and ask us for their support, that, that carries a lot of a weight with me. And I do believe that based on the failures of the state to move forward in the past, uh, on the peripheral canal, on CalFed, on a number of these projects, I think it is important for our governor and our statewide decision makers to hear from local officials that they want this problem dealt with. They want this process to move forward and to come to a conclusion and a decision to be made and progress to be made and not to sit forever in this paralysis that we have uh, for decades. Uh, so when I read this resolution, uh, I read the resolve line. It asked to support this process to move forward and make progress and come at, and leading to a decision. Uh, I, I absolutely support that and I think that we should support that. Uh, maybe that will make the difference this time if us and other local uh, bodies say it's time to do this. And um, uh, you know the idea that we're going to have a you know and part of this part of the it, part of the issue is uh, we're going to have a 40 or 50,000 page EIR that frankly none of us are going to read uh, and uh, and at the end of it you'll have uh, you know there'll be some things will come out of it but that's part of this process uh, but to use that as an excuse not to take action not to say to our state leaders that we we need this to move forward and uh, and get to a decision making point, I think would be a mistake. So I support this resolution. If there was a motion uh, for it, I would second it and support it. Uh, this resolution. Is there a motion? Are we done? Is there any further comment? Is there a motion? Yes, I I move to uh, adopt resolution number twenty thirteen dash thirteen ninety. I'll second it. It's been moved and seconded. Is there any further discussion? Seeing none, we'll vote. All those in favor say aye. 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 Opposed? Nay. Nay. Three to two, the resolution passes. We will move on to
Agenda item seven, evaluation of adult crossing guard need studies, study at the intersection of Lost Hills Road and Cold Spring Street. And I believe we do have a staff report on this. Before we and start, the city attorney yes. has some comments. And before we start, um, the city attorney was going to provide some instruction on this. Thank you, Mr. Mayor, members of council. Uh, just quickly, a couple of process issues. One, it, it, probably the most important, is one of the limits of what you can do tonight. Under your municipal code, this council has effectively delegated the approval of design, the, the approval, upgrade, maintenance of tra official traffic control devices to the city manager. And that was done in 2006, uh, pursuant to an ordinance approved by the city council then. It's also somewhat consistent with the manual on uniform traffic control devices, which includes a chapter on adult crossing guards and notes specifically that adult crossing guards should be placed where appropriate, consistent with traffic and engineering studies uh, that indicate they are warranted based upon a system of warrants as outlined further in the California Vehicle Code as well as the uh, Manual on Uniform Traffic Control Devices. As such, the matter on your agenda tonight is for discussion of the report provided by your staff, certainly a debate uh, about it, but no action uh, can be taken tonight on the issue of, of uh, crossing guards because one, it's been delegated to the city manager uh, by ordinance, and number two, um, it's not listed on the agenda as an action item. Certainly the city manager might hear what you're saying. You can debate the technical aspects of the report and whether or not you agree with it and why and question and hear from the public, um, but ultimately this is not the time to take action tonight. I, I have a clarify question. that if you have any questions. I have a question. Um, could a council or a couple council members take some of their funds from their council accounts to pay for a cross guard? That would be inconsistent with the ordinance that delegates that authority to the city manager utilizing technical staff to determine the placement of, the repair of, and the maintenance of traffic control devices, is including cross, crossing guards. A cross guard is a device? A crossing guard it's listed is, in is our a, ordinance? A crossing guard as a, as a human being is not a device right. used as a means of controlling traffic. In the broad sense, they would be considered a device. That's why I indicated it's somewhat consistent with the Manual on Uniform Traffic Control Devices, which has a chapter on adult crossing guards, how they're placed, looking at what they call essentially creating gaps in traffic to allow people to cross, the type of training they should have, the type of background they should have, and the need for traffic and engineering studies to determine if they're warranted. But a PFC could hire their own cross guard. I don't know about the PFC. Certainly the school district, the school district. Uh, could normally. Again, that's, uh, that is a, uh, an action that is taken by the city. But in the past, school districts used to do it until they ran out of funding. They are authorized. School districts are authorized by state law right. to provide crossing guards. Right. And I think that in this, in this case, the PFC paid for half of, am I correct, the PFC paid for half of the cross guard historically, Robert? Some, somebody? Yes, they did when it was needed at the time as an interim measure. Did they pay us as reimbursement or? I have to double check with Gary Lysak. We did send the invoice. I believe they approved to pay it. And I think they pay it, so I just and need to verify. Okay. So I just wanted to clarify that a PFC could pay for a cross guard, even though it's. But, but not any longer. No. That was when it was a temporary 
Fix now. Now there's been a warrant uh, report. Let me ask the city attorney, Mr. Mayor, members of the council. I think the relevant question is who approves the use of a crossing guard, less so than the funding source. Even if the funding source came from. No, from I'm, 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 I'm. I've heard what you've said yeah. about who decides who pays for the cross guard. I'm asking about funding a cross guard. If you want an extra layer of protection, I'm hearing that the findings are such that it's not warranted. I'm looking at funding. And a PFC or a school district very well could bring out somebody. Well, the council, again, the council, at least for the city, controls the budget and how you budget money. And if you want, you accept donations or contributions from a private group to fund a crossing guard. That would be okay. But there's only two entities that can approve a crossing guard. One is the school district. The other is a city. However, the city has delegated that authority to the city manager. Right. So regardless of whether a private group would agree to pay for it, it would still have to be approved either by the city manager on behalf of the city or by the school district on behalf of the school district consistent with the education code and the vehicle. Okay, and since the city has said no, um, it's up to the school district then to fund a cross guard. Mr. Mayor, members of the council, it, I'm not I'm, sure I would characterize it that way, not being up to the school district, but they have an option to do so. Again, they are allowed to do so by law. And we have given money to the school district in the past. What I'm getting at, and, and I'm cutting to the chase here, is that every city council member has a certain amount of funds that they can put towards something that isn't in the budget, that's extraordinary, special, etc. Each one of us sitting here does. And what I'm getting at is that perhaps two of us could put some money together, three of us, all of us, to show our commitment to the community and the children and the parents, but, to but, put some money forward in order to have a cross guard. But council member, the, the, the council member funds are not a way around the decision-making process of the city. I approve whether that's a valid uh, expenditure or not and in this case I would say that that's not a valid expenditure to use council member funds to do that because it's not warranted I, I'm hearing it's not warranted you've yeah. made that perfectly clear you've bought an army of yes. people to testify right. that you don't think it meets the warrant I'm hearing and I'm looking at it through a different lens as a parent as a former teacher unpredictable behavior of children there's no harm in having a cross guard there to the city. So anyway, I just wanted to, to let the public know that there is a way. Well, I'm unclear about something. Well, if, if I have a legal question here, it'll be just one question. If the city, if the council appropriates money somehow for a crossing guard, whether it's to the PFC directly, whatever, under our ordinance, you're saying that would be a nullified action because another ordinance doesn't allow that without the city manager's approval? If you appropriated money for to the school district for use by the school district for them to hire a crossing guard, I don't believe that would be an improper act under your municipal code. But if the city is going to make the decision, that decision has been delegated to the city manager by your municipal code. The school so, district can make the decision to retain a crossing guard and the source of funding would only be subjected to, and the only limits on the, on the source of funding would be whatever state law says you can or cannot spend money on, whether they're discretionary or uh, limited funds. But I thought that the, you were saying that the appropriation of money by the council would be nullified by the ordinance. The city council cannot make a decision, nor can they direct the placement of a crossing guard. That comes to the city manager. 
you could appropriate money in your budget for a crossing guard, but the city manager would has the absolute authority, as the code is written now, to determine to use those funds to for a crossing guard or not to use those funds for a okay, crossing guard. Okay, but the question is what happens? Let's say the council, I'm, I'm not promising this or anything, I'm just saying as we discuss this, if the council decides it's needed and we appropriate money for that purpose to the school district or to the PFC or however it's phrased, the city manager then would not approve that as a warrant expenditure? That's a preliminary question related to the city manager's authority over your appropriation of funds. If you have the authority to appropriate funds to the school district for crossing guard or other purposes, it would then be up to the school district to approve placement of a crossing guard. When the, when the approval authority rests with the city, it rests with the city manager to make that determination utilizing the expertise provided by his staff. And we would not supervise that guard, nor would it be under our control. Correct. correct. We would not be responsible right. for the guard. It would be merely a funding source to the school district, and the school district would have the authority under state law to retain crossing guards, who they would have authority over. Or the school district would have authority over it. Well, the school district is the one that would retain a crossing guard. A private group does not have the authority under state law to retain and hire a crossing guard. They might have a contract with the school district, but the ultimate responsibility for approving the use of crossing guard either lies with a school district or with a local governmental agency, the city. And I go back to what I said earlier with the city, that authority lies with the city manager under the current municipal code. Okay, any further questions for the city attorney before we turn to the staff report on this item? Okay, please, the staff report. Good evening, Council. Um, this item addresses the need for an adult crossing guard at the intersection of Lost Hills Road and Cold Springs Street in the Deer Springs neighborhood. The crossing guard was temporarily placed at this location after the A.E. Wright footbridge was installed. Um, since these changed conditions were more likely, were likely to attract more pedestrians to the area. It was to be removed once the users became more familiar with the new um, set up and after the safe routes to school pedestrian safety slides, yeah. enhancements were finished. Do you have slides moving? Or? Oh, I'm sorry. That is the location, but I only missed one. The Cal um, as mentioned before with Scott, the, the Calabasas Municipal Code states that the city manager shall make the determination of whether to place a traffic control device on the basis of accepted traffic engineering principles and investigations. These principles are outlined in the manual, the uniform, or the manual of Uniform Traffic Control Devices. The California MUTCD is a document issued by Caltrans and the Federal Highway Administration that specifies the standards by which traffic control devices are designed and when they are warranted. An adult crossing guard is a recognized traffic control device in the California MUTCD and each chapter on an individual traffic control device is structured with four headings that define the principles of implementing that specific traffic control device. These headings include standards, guidance, um, options, and support. Standards provide required and mandatory procedures to implement a traffic control device. There are no standards for an adult crossing guard. 
and when no standards exist, an engineering study to determine the need of the traffic control device is conducted based on the California MUTCD's guidance, options, and support principles. Our engineering study is based on these principles and, and establishes evaluation criteria for an, an adult crossing guard need. The evaluation criteria used in the study include pedestrian volumes, uh, how many pedestrians are using the crosswalk before and after school, intersection control, what type of traffic control is at the intersection, whether it's a stop sign, a traffic signal, or if it's uncontrolled. Traffic volumes, how many vehicles are crossing the crosswalk before and after school. The age of pedestrians, are the pedestrians using, using the crosswalk um, attending elementary, middle, high school, or a combination of those schools. And the last one in, in, that involves our study is the existing safety improvements at the school. And those are what other pedestrian traffic safety improvements that the city had, had previously installed at the intersection. The California MBTCD provides threshold values for the pedestrian volumes and traffic volumes criteria. It also provides or also cites specific thresholds for stop controlled intersections such as this one. The MUTCD also states guidance to place crossing guards to assist elementary school pedestrians but, not, but does not clearly identify any use or application in areas that serve older students. The remaining evaluation criteria that we um, identified will be evaluated subjectively. The values of the evaluation criteria at the Lost Hills Cold Springs crosswalk location are shown in these two tables. The pedestrian counts were taken in, at two different time periods. The first three labeled day one, day two, and day three were taken in early June before school was let out last year. And the remaining two days were taken last month um, on the 26th and 27th of September. The, um, on table two, it just explains the, the other evaluation criteria and what, um, what the values are. The intersection is stop sign controlled. The average traffic volumes during the AM were 1,170 vehicles and in, during the PM, 650. The pedestrian age that's, that crosswalk serves is middle school and the existing measures that um, we have at the intersection are advanced beacons, in pavement flashing crosswalks, improved ADA ramps, and currently improved MUTCDs approved or approved signage and striping. Can you go back to that, please? Mm -hmm. Because our report wasn't complete. So these are numbers that I'm seeing for the first time. On, I'm yes, the, the accounts weren't complete um, in the report. That was a mistake and we had put them in. I, I don't sure know if they were actually completed at the time. Of the That's on table one. Right. Table one, right. And, and again, day one, two, and three were at the end of last year. Right. That, so there's 
there's well, higher. Day, day one and two, I believe, right? One, two, and three. Day one, two, and three. <laughs> During, I believe, the first week of June. It was right near the end of school. Okay, I'm fine, thank you. Is there anything else not complete or that? I, I noticed that, but that's it, right? On the tables? Yeah. No. Okay. Everything else was the same. After evaluating the evaluation criteria, the following findings were made. Um, stop controlled intersections provide a consistent supply of gaps in the traffic. Can you make that bigger by chance? Just read it for now. It's going to take a long time to get through. Yeah, reading. I really what, don't what know. What was the question? Oh, you oh, the, make the, the findings, time bigger? They're not in our report. Well, while he's doing that, well, maybe you can read it because it's going to take a while to just get through the thing. Okay, I'll read them slow. Um, stop I, controlled intersections provide a consistent supply of gaps in traffic, which helps pedestrians cross the street. Children at this late age level and with the recent safe routes to school traffic safety <laughs> education have the capability to safely cross intersections at crosswalks. And we recently also had an on-site education one-on-one -on -one type seminar with them this Monday and Tuesday of this week. The third finding, students and other pedestrians are familiar with the crossing now. Pedestrian counts do not meet the 40 plus pedestrians um, for any two hours of daily use threshold. They met during, you know, one hour, I believe, in the day one during the PM, but it requires two hours in one day. The peak hour traffic volumes at the intersection were the only MUTC criterion that was met. It also provided an option for, it was also provided as an option for the primary support for adult crossing guards. Um, which means it's not guidance or a standard, but it, it's an option. The previously installed intersection safety enhancements at the intersections were all inclusive and provide an excellent amount of warning for crossing pedestrians. Staff had observed improvement in driver behavior at the intersection after these improvements were made. Uh, drivers are required to, by law, to travel at the posted 25 mile per hour speed limit and crosswalks are typically safer in areas with lower speed limits. In the school area traffic um, safety liaison and the sheriff's department of observations identify that the crossing is safe without the need for an adult crossing guard. These are some before and after pictures of the pedestrian safety enhancements that we've installed over the past, I believe, eight years. The most recent is the Safe Routes to School improvements. This is, the before picture shows the old intersection, and the after picture shows the plan view of what we did. And it basically shows the bulb out over on, on this corner and the um, sidewalk extension on this corner, which effectively took 17 feet of the crossing when the pedestrian is exposed to traffic um, away. It also pulls them into the line of sight 
of vehicle drivers much better because it pushes them out more towards the travel lanes. This is one of the first improvements that we made. It's a stop sign um, with flashing LED lights placed around the perimeter of the sign. And it's primarily used to accentuate the stop sign. The advanced flashing beacons, um, it was in place, I believe, a couple, two years ago was, is when we first put it in. However, with the Safe Routes to School grant, we improved the signage. Um, we removed the old sign. Um, it was modified to, well, we enlarged the school zone sign to meet current MUTC standards, which a larger sign obviously is more visible to drivers. And the signage on the beacon itself was modified to clearly identify a school zone with a posted speed limit and a stop sign ahead condition. This is a close-up of the bulb out, which again basically shortened the crossing distance and, and the pedestrian's exposure to the, the traffic and it also improved the site visibility to drivers of pedestrians waiting to cross. And this is a close-up of the opposite side of the intersection with the sidewalk and ramp extension, which basically had the same benefits. ADA curb ramps were brought up to current standards. And we installed an in-pavement flashing crosswalk, which um, works very well both during the day and at nighttime. We actually did some observations before and after the in pavement flashing crosswalks were installed, and we noticed that more, more drivers complied with the stopping at the crosswalk when after they were installed. Drivers waited until pedestrians completely cleared the intersections instead of moving forward once they had cleared their traveled way which happened a lot more. Um, we noticed it seems to the flashing in pavements tend to um, really uh, make the driver aware that that is a crosswalk. Fewer citations were handed out. Drivers were observed actively looking for potential pedestrians, cro pedestrians crossing the street. And the crosswalk became visible to drivers earlier and provided them more reaction time. Quick question about those observations. Uh -huh. um, you say that the observations were made when the cross guard was still there. So all of these improvements you observed while the cross guard was still there, correct? That's what it says in the report. The, the observations were taken at various times. And it wasn't just, these, th these are observations specific to the in-pavement flashers. Listed or, and I, I, I hope you don't mind me just asking for this clarification. That it says in the report that during April you assessed the new, the changes and the impact, and you said the, um, you assessed the impact of the new safety enhance, enhancements while the crossing guard was still on site. So all of these things have happened and were noted but while the cross guard was on duty. Well, she's saying the report said April. 
these, but these observations were actually are specific to the in pavement flashers and they weren't only taken at Lost Hills. I mean, this is just uh, observations of what the in pavement flashers succeeded at. So, that, and some of them were taken when the no crossing, when no crossing guard was there, and some of them were taken when the crossing guard were there. Okay, because but it's specific to the in pavement flashers. The intro, okay, just just so the audience knows, before these these observations are listed, it says we assessed in April when the cross guard was still on site, and these are the improvements. So I I, I like to think that the cross guard probably had something to do with the behavior of the drivers and. Their, their presence there. But they were taken at all three locations where we installed the in-pavement flashers and they were not always taken when a crossing guard was there. I'm just pointing that and, out. And, and all the other sites have cross guards too. But they weren't when we observed it, there was no crossing guard on duty. All right, let's allow staff to complete the report and then we'll go to questions from the council and, uh, and then we have a number of speakers. I am going to hand this over to Detective Dave Hilson and Sergeant Philip Brooks to give their own independent field reviews of the crosswalk. Uh, thank you, Mr. Mayor, Council Members. I'm Sergeant Philip Brooks, Traffic Supervisor, Malibu Lost Hill Station. Uh, I think this is the most studied intersection uh, I've ever seen. I, I'm having nightmares about the diameter of the bulb outs in my head that are 20 feet and, and everything. Um, you've, you've heard me talk before uh, about engineering education and enforcement being how we evaluate safety on the streets and in intersections and crosswalks. Clearly, in this instance, uh, engineering has, has, has uh, done everything it can. There's no absolutes. There's never going to be 100% safe no matter what you do. There's just no way. It's, you, can't say, you can't say that. However, you, you have more than just a crosswalk there. You have lowered the speed limit. Uh, you've reduced the distance that, that the pedestrians have to cross. Therefore, there's less exposure. Prior to crossing the street, you've put them where they have better visibility of, uh, of cars. You've put a stop sign there. So even if no one's crossing, the cars have to stop. They have to stop no matter what. There's a stop sign there. But not only is there a stop sign there, there's a flashing stop sign there. And not only is there a flashing stop sign there, there's flashing lights that are activated by people crossing the street. So it, it would be criminally negligent for anyone driving a car to not stop for that crosswalk. It would almost have to be intentional for someone to go through that crosswalk when there's a pedestrian there. There's just too much there. There's nothing else engineering-wise that I can think of that can be done. All right, education. As Mark said, we've had people out there from uh, Safe Crossing. They've talked to the kids how to cross the street. But parents, these are middle school kids. You, you need them. look right, look left. By middle school, you're not that far from driving. You should be able to cross the street safely by, by evaluating the car, looking at you, looking at what the driver is looking at. If the driver is looking down and is still is still going fast, you don't cross. It's we've we've all been doing. It. I did that. Uh, when I went to school, and I was in elementary school, and I crossed a four-lane highway in, in elementary school. It's different now because the top speed of a Model T is only 40 miles an hour, and cars go a lot faster now. So what we look at finally is enforcement. We've been out there, me, myself, uh, and my, my motor officers, been out there doing enforcement since before the crosswalk was even changed, from last year to this year. We started on this year with the improvements, 
and the number of citations has reduced every week. Now I send a deputy out there, how many sites you get? Zero. I've seen videos, people have sent me videos of people crossing in cars uh, waiting. Unless the car impedes the pedestrian, it's, it's really not a violation. Yeah, sometimes when someone's crossing and car away from a curb and cars behind them go too soon, that's technically a violation. Is it dangerous? Maybe, maybe not. But we, it's all a judgment because there's no bright line in the vehicle code that says the car has to wait until the, the pedestrian is so many feet. Yes, technically curb to curb unless there's a center safety zone. But in reality, the officer and the judge is going to look at what's reasonable. And if the, if the pedestrians are halfway across walking away from the car and cars start going, that's reasonable for them to go. You know, we're not going to be ultra strict on that because that's safe. They're going in one direction. The car is not impeding the pedestrian. There, there's no issue there. Um, so the elephant in the room, what is it? Crossing guard. Could a crossing guard make the intersection safer? Maybe. Could it, could it not? Maybe. It's hard to say. And uh, I don't know if Deputy Yulson has anything to add. Good evening, Council. Um, I'm there all the time. I know the parents that are there, and we know each other by first name. Um, it's an emotional issue, and, you know, I've been out there for quite a long time before the improvements and while there was a crossing guard, and we saw violations of uh, technical violations where we'd write tickets when the crossing guard are there. The parents are there with me. They'll scream at me and, you know, demand that I go and chase the person and write them a ticket. It's the same thing now. You're seeing some violations. Uh, I, I personally have never actually seen a close call. There are violations, but a close call, I, I've really never seen a close call where I was really worried about the child being hit by the car. When I stop people now for this, um, for this violation, they never tell me. They, didn't, they had no idea that somebody was crossing the street there. They thought it was okay to go. Uh, I, I'm in the, in the same, I have the same opinion as Sergeant Brooks. If somebody's going to violate this, this, this crosswalk so egregiously where they actually injure a child, it's going to be so negligent, they're going to either be impaired by drugs or not even looking at the roadway at all. And, and honestly, I think the, tr the crossing guard would probably be another victim. Um, and like I said, I know it's an emotional issue, uh, but uh, I think it's reached the, 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 the return of you know, your marginal investment. Is not, it's just not, you're not getting return on your investment anymore. So that's my opinion on this matter. Is there any further staff report? Just the conclusion. And okay. from the results of the engineering study, and I think the primary part of that is that it's a heavily fortified intersection for pedestrian safety. And the field reviews from both staff and independent observers, we found that the adult crossing guard is not warranted at, that inter at the intersection of Lost Hills Road and Cold Spring Street. There's any questions? Are there any further questions at this time? We do have speakers. I, I have one. Well, uh, yeah, I'll go, I'm going to go to Councilman Martin first. Um, the report that you had given us um, was dated past, but I know that uh, you've done recent ones because I've been out there observing and I've seen Ryan out there observing and taking pictures, but that's not included in, in your report. You gave us statistics from previous, but not recent ones that I know we've done. 
the statistics came out very close. Um, I could get them. I mean, they're all they're almost all averaging about 20 or lower in the AM, and all in the higher 30s in the PM. Okay, any further questions? I yes, uh, I'm going to go to Councilman Bazajan and then to Councilman. A uh, question regarding the school district. Has, has the school district provided any input at all into this process of discussing the crossing guard? It's mayor, member of council, um, you know me, Robert Yalda. The reason Mark is making a report. He's a registered traffic engineer. I am registered traffic engineer. To answer to your specific question, I personally have talked to principal and this morning actually vice principal was at the intersection. None of them felt that there is any safety issue at this intersection and they did not request crossing guard from me. Is this a, you mean A.E. Wright? A.E. Wright, okay, principal and vice principal. I guess, thank you for that because I, I, I wasn't, I hadn't really asked that but I'm, I'm glad to have that information. The, the, I guess I meant more the um, school district and any, any traffic engineers or traffic control people that they have on their staff and at an administrative or management level. No, we did not receive any request. Is, is there someone of that type to ask over there? I don't think they have traffic engineers. Only traffic engineers can do this kind of study. Who's in charge? I mean, is there a department under which traffic-related issues are go to one person at the school district? I'm talking about I the school know. district. I don't know. I need to find out. I don't know their structure. Okay. My understanding is the school district went out of the traffic and and side um, crossing guard business about ten years ago, with the as a result of budget cuts and. Uh, in some cities, like Calabasas, the cities picked up and, and funded, for example, crossing guards, other types of traffic control that that previously had been uh, funded through schools uh, through through the school district. In other words, the crossing guards were hired by the school districts, placed by the school districts, and determinations were made. But they do not do they haven't done that in in quite a while, and I do not believe they have anyone on their staff that uh, has any expertise in. Um, uh, in, in, in that. I mean, they obviously have people at sites, principals, vice principals, others who observe uh, traffic things, but, um, but no engineering expertise. I don't believe they do because usually whenever they have a question, they usually come to us and ask. Okay. So. Thank you. Okay. Council I just have Howard. a couple questions. Can you go back to the findings? That was it. And it looked like um, the only criteria that was met was the traffic volume. Okay, mm -hmm. yeah. how much? How many? How much of the criteria would you have needed to warrant a cross guard? What? What's the? There we go. That's um, five hundred per hour. Okay, so can, the forty school children or pedestrians um, you, in a two-hour period so that would be two hours in the morning and two hours in the afternoon to reach that 40 no any two hours of the day oh. so it could be one hour in the morning one hour in the 
afternoon or two hours in the afternoon and two hours in the morning, any combination. Okay, so that's, that's where I'm a little confused because if I look at then the numbers that you put in, if you add those up, they exceed 40. No, each individual, individual hour okay. of two hours have to and, be 40 and then, plus. Thank you for that clarification. So one of the days, one of the three days um, before when we had the cross guard, we had 40, and the other two we don't. And in a report by Lewis Mathis, an observation in September, he says, that there was um, an increase in the number of parent drivers discharging their students at the drop-off curb in an apparent adjustment to the absence of a crossing guard. So one could interpret that that they could have met that 40. We can make a lot of assumption, Madam Mayor. We count, I can assure you, independent people counting, parents counting, I have texts. We do not reach 40 hours in the 40 student crossing in the morning and we just don't have even that. with the safer conditions even with safer condition the parents that decided to drop off their kids they're making a left turn drop them off at the curbside they you're do not awfully, drop them you're, off to you're awfully close so if it had made that 40 threshold you would like put a cross guard there if you could get three more children out walking no. you would it would warrant a cross guard but it, it's not a warrant well, i have to it, point that out it's just a yeah, we call it a guide. Well, it's not even a guidance. It's an option. Okay. If that m is met, then you can option. You can have an option to put one in. May but I, it would have to be two hours during the day. Right. Well, also so the locations that they 40. do this analysis do not have flashing stop sign. They do not have impaver flashing. This is a guideline for a typical crossing in any town in California. I did have one other question based on what Go you ahead. just asked. Yes. And that is, I'm assuming, I mean, I didn't even need to ask this, hopefully, that you in good faith took the two-hour increments, which were the most tra foot traffic. Yes. We're not talking about 8 o'clock at night or anything no, like no. that. No, no. And there's, okay. there really is only one well, it hour. Doesn't say, it doesn't say, each. but I'm assuming that you picked out what you felt was the best right before school, right after school. That right. is correct. Okay. And, and you waited two hours each time? No, you didn't have to. There's <laughs> no traffic time. after school is open. It's very a short time period that they actually cross that crosswalk. In Be the morning is about 15 minutes, in the afternoon, within 10 minutes, everybody's gone. This morning I was there giving away gifts. Within 10 minutes, everybody was gone. I stayed there half an hour after that. One individual parent stopped by and got the gift. There is no crossing after school is open. Those are my questions. All right. Are there any further questions for the staff report? We do have some very patient uh, um, residents who've come to speak. So uh, if the council will allow me, I will go to them at this time. Can I just add one thing? I did go out to the crossing um, to observe it the day after our last meeting when we did have parents come in. And my concern was, when I pushed the button to cross, the lights went off for the cars and the stop sign, but there was nothing telling the students to cross. So I came in and said to the city manager and to Mr. Yalda, there's nothing that tells the kids it's safe to cross. I have, that's a problem with me. And 
the following week, uh, Mr. Yalda came up to me and said, go and try it again. They now installed, when you push the button, flashing lights and a beeping sound that tells the students it is safe for them to cross. So I just wanted to make that, that, that I made an observation that um, I thought was unsafe and it was remedied almost immediately. So that was another added device that was after the fact. Mm -hmm. Okay. All right. At this point, I'm not even going to ask if you want to make more comments. I'm going to go to the public speakers. Uh, and the first public speaker, thank you for your patience, is Marta Voda. I hope I said that correctly. That'll be followed by Layla Barth and Michelle Hill, if you want to know that you're coming up next. Welcome. Thank you for being here. Yes, thank you for having me here. Um, it's a lot of a lot of analysis and a lot of observation. You know, as a mother, um, you know, and a community member. I mean, I think we're not asking for you to, you know, put any more um, lights or tunnels or stoplights. We're just talking about 15 minutes where you do have somebody who stops you and says, okay, come on, it's okay to cross. It's not like, um, you know, I have an 11-year-old. She just turned 12. Last year she was 11. Um, she gets anxious, and you see all the other kids, and they're kind of wondering, you know, where should we go? When is it time? <clears throat> I'm a little nervous here, sorry. Um, so I just think that with all of this analysis, this is great. Just the common sense, just having somebody there, it, um, it just offers a sense of security. It just offers a sense of leadership. Having a crossing guard there um, helps keep order, helps keep kids supervised. You know, just having somebody there just to watch out for traffic violators, for sus suspicious characters, just knowing that there's somebody there just to lead our kids to supervise our kids and keep the order just made me feel a lot better when he was there last year and you know i wish i could be there every day to um you know to see what's going on but on the days that i'm there on wednesdays you know no there's not been any near misses but there's been times where you scratch your head and you think you know slow down stop texting you know and you don't see the, the sheriff's there watching out for them. And when we see the sheriff's there, I thank him. Um, so I know that a lot of my, my parent colleagues have, um, have a lot to say. I just think at the end of the day, you know, the safety of our children is a really critical priority as a parent, um, as community members. Um, you know, if there's way to find you know, a few dollars here and there just to add that one layer of security at this very, very, you know, heavily constructed, you know, lots of analysis put into it and conclusions and observations. Sidewalk, you know, we're just asking, just, just somebody there, just, you know, supervise our kids. They're not close to driving age. They're 11, 12, and 13, and they're talking and they're texting and, and there's just a lot going on. We just need supervision. So anyways, thank you. Thank you for hearing me out. Thank you very much. Layla Barth, followed by Michelle Hill. 
we do ask our speakers if they state their name and their city of residence before and then before they start thank you hi i'm leela barth this is my son kelly dobson and um we are i'm a 16 year resident of uh, calabasas and this is our first year at AU right um, i'm here today to uh, request that we figure out how to take care of the situation um, we i am there every single day dropping him off and um, picking him up and um, i thank the city for all of the measures that you have put into place already the physical measures that are in existence that are they are significantly helping what's going on there what those measures don't address is the extremely erratic behavior of some of our fellow citizens in our city where um, where even you know a bus will not stop for kids where a bicyclist goes through the intersection without stopping and we're asking for cars to do that too and we see that all the time cars in the middle of the intersection approaching the children and I don't I can't speak I will let him speak for himself but as a parent watching that every day it scares me to death like is that car gonna stop do you know if the car is gonna stop no he doesn't know so um, I would just ask that you consider putting in a crossing guard and by whatever means it needs to happen because um, it's just the, the erratic behavior is it's you can't plan on it you can't decide that you know you're gonna avoid a car when it's coming at you and and my son would like to say something if you would permit that please sure so basically when you state your name please Kelly and move the mic to your yeah. in front of your face there you go so when well I'll push the button to cross right as I tap that button it'll beep there's no like saying it'll cross it's right as I push it so basically what I've heard is Right as I push it, I guess I'm supposed to cross, which I don't think would be safe. So, all right. Thank you for your time. Okay, Michelle Hill, and the next speaker would be Sharice Morrow. Welcome. Thank you. I'm Michelle Hill. I live in Calabasas. There's so much to say, as we all know, but. The issue with the crosswalk, I think, is completely different than all of the improvements that have happened in that intersection. The improvements in the intersection are for the community at all times during the day. They're wonderful improvements. It helps everyone. But when you're talking about that 15 minutes, 20 minutes, when you have the majority of kids crossing, it's a completely different world. No one is unthankful for what has happened there. We all are benefiting from it. But an extra measure needs to be put in place for the time that the kids are crossing. Everybody is saying, well, okay, I'm deferring this to the city manager. The sheriffs are saying, I think it's completely safe. I've reached out to the, um, the school district. The school district says, this is not on school property. We cannot use our funds for this. Uh, we have reached out to the school, to the PFC. The PFC and the school, they don't have the funds to pay for the crossing guard either. So where do we stand? We need to come to the city and make a request to assist us in this. Um, October 1st at 1034 on the northbound lanes at the Lost Hill Cold Springs intersection, there was an accident. 
So, okay, 10.34, it wasn't school time, okay, but the car that rammed into the stopped car did not see it with all those improvements at the time. The result of that accident was the crushed, the back of the car that got hit was crushed. I haven't seen this printed anywhere, noted anywhere. Accidents happen at all intersections, yes, but this one happened to happen right there at our very safe intersection. Um, now, if this had happened two hours earlier, what would have been the result? Uh, it's just something to think about. Uh, I just think that it's, it's kind of silly in the sense that everybody wants somebody else to take care of something. You have a certain time frame of the day where there's a lot of kids. I would ask you very much to consider taking city funds as Agora Hills has done, as Westlake Village has done for their schools to pay for the crossing guard in a situation. The sheriffs have been there, they've seen it, but isn't everybody on their best behavior? When you have people standing there on the corner, or you have a police officer parked there, they're gonna be on their best behavior. When the sheriffs are there, they see a lot of things happening. Does it warrant, in their opinion, a crossing guard? Apparently not. When the sheriffs aren't there, you've got the school bus pulling out in the middle of the in intersection. Now the school bus is in the intersection, and it's the video that I believe you've all seen where the kids are crossing. No, an accident hasn't happened, but as a man had said in the previous presentation, is it worth the risk to see what's going to happen? It's just a crossing guard. Why, why can't we just agree that this needs to be paid for and somebody take the responsibility to pay for that crossing guard? I've reached out to the city looking for assistance and grants to try to help pay for this. Um, so please consider maybe doing a little bit more. Thank you. Thank you very much. Michelle Hill? That was Michelle. I'm sorry. Sharice Morrow? Yes. Followed by evening. Stephanie David. And this Thank is my you. son, Tate. He is His name is? Tate Morrow. Okay. He's an eighth grader at A.E. Wright. So, uh, like Michelle has said, all the improvements has certainly um, done some for our crossing area. Um, and I do, uh, one of the things that I saw in the report that I firmly uh, disagree with are the numbers. I'm there in the afternoons. The afternoons are the heaviest times. There are over 40 people crossing there. I'm there every day and I count. Um, and there have been near uh, accidents. In fact, um, Lewis had to uh, chase down a car, a big SUV, that was pulling in front of some students uh, a couple weeks ago, I think it was. Um, so there have been near misses, and also like Michelle said, that yes, yeah, sometimes it's safer when the officers are there. I'm there, I would say, four out of the five days in the afternoon, and I don't see the sheriffs there in the afternoon. I see them there occasionally in the morning, but they're not there in the afternoon when it's warranted. Apparently there's obviously other issues at other schools as well, and everybody needs to have their, you know, time with the sheriffs watching the, the other kids. But there are um, some needs for the sheriffs to be there in the afternoon, which I have not seen. Um, if, you can correct me if I'm wrong, but I haven't seen anybody there in the afternoons, except for one, one day last week, I think I, you, uh, you were there, but they're not there as often as um, I believe is needed. Um, and Tate, if you would like to say something about what you experienced. Um, I have been told that the lights, when you push the button, ha unless you know they are there, it is really hard to see them. And as Kelly said, the beeping button happens right after you push the button. 
and it's it's not a signal to tell you to walk. It just lets you know that you push the button. And all of the lights on the stop signs and everything, they, it's hard to see during the day. Everything's you can barely see them at all. And still, stop sign the lights don't improve it at all. It's, parents don't pay attention to lights on a f stop sign. Thank you. Um, and, and also another thing is that, you know, since the bridge has been put in, which is great, it's encouraging the walkers, like the city has um, stressed for the parents to help the kids walk to school and all that, and this morning was very successful. The mornings are not very busy at our bridge, but the afternoons they are. Um, these numbers are only going to increase every year since this has happened. It's not going to go down. So, Mr. Corrales, I would like to invite you to come out and, and sit with me and count, if you would like. I would like you to sit there and watch what happens, if that's what needs to be done. I'd love to see you out there. Thank you. Thank you very much. Stephanie David, and followed by David, is it Case? Yes. David Case. And then Annalise Johnson is the last card I have. Good evening. Good evening. My name is uh, Stephanie David. Um, thank you so much, Mayor and Council Members, for having me tonight. Thank you so much for adding the AE footbridge intersection to tonight's agenda um, and considering this issue. I am a parent of an eighth grader at AE Wright. I also am the AE Wright school area traffic committee representative. The newly installed safety measures at the Lost Hills Crosswalk are a great improvement, as is the crosswalk education safety provided to the students, which they just went through a couple days ago. Sixth graders, not the seventh and eighth graders. <laughs> However, there still seems to be some safety issues at this intersection for the children in the community. We've got children walking to the community center and all the surrounding communities, Calabasas Hills, uh, Miramonte, Deer Springs, Steeplechase. People come into the community to drop their children off and utilize that crosswalk. The bad behavior of the drivers, commuters, traveling, Lost Hills, consider that stop sign a mere suggestion. And the children in the intersection, well, they're just an inconvenience. Encroaching on the kids. Today, three cars encroaching on a group of kids that Tate happened to be walking with. Yes, this includes the parents that are picking up the kids and dropping off the kids. There's too much left to chance for these kids. They're just kids. For the past two years, with the CrossGuard and the newly um, installed safety measures, it accomplished an even safer crosswalk. This year, with the lack of that CrossGuard, it's now discouraging parents and students who would normally walk to school I invite all of you council members, city manager as well, I invite you out to come witness what occurs every single day at 3 o'clock. 
so that you're able to make an informed decision about this intersection. I submitted last week a couple of videos to all of you, including the city manager. I would have sent it to the interim city manager, but I could not find your um, email address. Again, um, thank you so much for all of the improvements, and I appreciate all of what you've done, but I ask you, how can we make progress toward a more sustainable, even safer crosswalk? Thank you. Thank you very much. David Case? Yes. And then uh, Annalise Johnson is the final card I have. Um, sorry, thank you for having me. Uh, my name is David Case. I am from Calabasas, and I'm sorry if this blows the camera because it's too bright. I, I dressed down, sorry. Um, so I have two daughters uh, in sixth grade and eighth grade. Uh, they both attend AE Wright. Uh, we used to live in Deer Springs, which is the community that crosses into, that uses that crosswalk. So I'm very used to stopping, dropping my kid off on the other side, crosswalk. I no longer do it. If you're wondering where the kids are being dropped off, I no longer do it because I don't think it's safe. Uh, I did it for a year and a half. Um, and it's a week later after I found out there was no crossing guard. And my daughter is in that video where she almost gets smushed by a bus. Um, I felt, and in fact, I found about, out about this today. I didn't even know there was a meeting going on. So I'm really disappointed that there aren't more people here, but I feel like not enough people knew about this. Um, I feel like all it takes is to look at this intersection and instinct tells you this is an intersection like no other in intersection. It's a place where, yeah, logically things should slow down traffic, but it is a thoroughfare from Malibu, Malibu Canyon where people have their big cars or whatever it is and they're flying to get to the 101. Now it's been slowed down dramatically, I appreciate that. But for kids in that one magic window of 15 minutes when they got to cross, and I'm not going to let my kids do it ever again, um, which two kids right there, that brings us close to that total that you need. Um, I, I just, I won't do it. I, I just, I, we might as well put a stoplight right there. Why not? We are more trained to know, to know what to do with a stoplight than we are with a flashing stop sign. It just doesn't make sense. You put all this effort in and you don't go the last step. I also want to say this, I feel like the elementary kids, they get all sorts of protections. As soon as we graduate them from fifth grade to sixth grade, we forget about our students. There is one crossing guard, I think, at that school, and they are on the property, the property. It, it's for the crossing between the administration building and the school. Why? If you want to change things, move that person to that crosswalk where we need that. Why is there a person right there? Why is there? One other person, maybe the vice principal, who's trying to make things better and hurry traffic along, but I'm willing to risk the bad traffic in that circle, which is terrible. I don't understand why there's more buses being used, by the way. Um, I, I'm sorry. It's just it's frustrating to me. I, I come from Florida, and they had their SHIT more together than this particular situation. I'm not going to say the town because, for the most part, I love Calabasas. But this issue, everything that we put into it tonight, I just don't understand why we go the one extra measure, the stopping guard, the person who stands there, who gives the confidence to the kids, who tells them what they need to do at this most dangerous intersection, though everything tells us it is not. Thank you. Thank you very much. Annalise Johnson. Hi, I'm Annalisa Johnson. I've been a resident of Calabasas now for 
guess it's 14, no, maybe 17 years. I can't remember. Long time. Um, I have a sixth grader at A.E. Wright. And um, I actually came here totally unprepared, but more just the fact that I know it's absolutely an issue. I pick up my daughter at that crosswalk throughout the week. And when I heard, and I didn't realize that the word had gotten around, it actually didn't get around as much as I would have liked it to, that we could have come here tonight and just expressed that there is a serious need for somebody to help these kids across the street. I jumped on it, and I didn't think I was going to speak, but here I am. Um, I, I do think that the efforts that have been made as far as the beacon and the lights and the, the sounding cross button is definitely great. But I have to say, just like everything else, that humans, how we, how we do things, we get used to it. We get used to seeing it. It's flashy, it's fun, it's exciting for the first month and a half, and then you just, it's another stop sign. And they don't say California roll, sushi stop for nothing. People roll through it. They do it all the time. I do it. I'll admit it, unless there's kids there. Sorry. But it, it's one of those things. I mean, I know people speed up to that, to that uh, crosswalk. I know it's a thoroughfare for commuters, and it's something to avoid the, the traffic that's on Las Virginis, and they will fly in both directions. Um, these kids are on their devices. They're sitting there, they're chatting it up with 12 other kids in the same group. They are not paying attention. Our kids are not paying attention when you're talking to them half the time. So they've got social conversation that is so much more important than meeting their parent at the car and getting across the street safely. Instead, they're talking, they're texting, they're in the middle of a conversation. That's where their mind is, period. They are not paying attention to the fact that somebody could be texting, that somebody's speeding through the crosswalk. They're not paying attention that that car that looks like it's slowing down is probably not going to be stopping. The other thing is, you know, there's a lot of times where I see these kids, they'll cross and they run in their backpacks, you know, all over the place, and they're just trying to get across the street to their car that they're going to. They are not paying attention to the fact that there are other cars coming up to that stop sign. They are not walking slowly. They are not looking both ways. They just aren't. And these are sixth graders, and they are not close to driving yet. Trust me when I tell you they were just in elementary school. This is a big year for them. They're learning a lot, and they definitely do not know how to multitask that whole flood and inflow of kids coming off of that bridge. They just are not. Um, they're also looking for their parents, whether or not they're on this side of the street or on the other side of the street. They're just, there's so many things going on. They're not on it. And somebody had mentioned about the return on the investment. I'll tell you something. One kid gets hit. To me, I don't even want to think about. I, I would imagine that that would be some reason now to suddenly get a cross guard there. But to me, the return on my investment, if not one child gets hit or injured, that is a 100% return. And I'm absolutely willing to be a part of that. So I really and truly ask that something is done about it because I really believe that it is a safety issue with our kids and I just don't think one accident is worth this type of discussion not going anywhere. Thank you very much. Thank you very much. I have no further cards uh, for public comment so we'll bring the mat we'll close the public hearing and move the matter back to the council for discussion. I ask the council to remember the discussion with the city attorney that started this. We have an ordinance in the city of Calabasas that gives, the, that takes away from the council and gives to the city manager the authority to make decisions on traffic control issues like this. Uh, I wasn't here when it was passed, but uh, looking at the staff report from 
uh, from that when that ordinance was passed. It, it talks about numerous instance, instances of council members or community groups demanding certain traffic control devices and, uh, and some being agreed to be put in that did not meet requirements. Some were put in and taken out. There was a whole series of things that led to uh, making, to the council finally getting to the point of saying, let's do this, uh, let's give this to the city manager and try and do it based on professional uh, staff and guidelines and so forth. But regardless whether you like that law or don't like that law, that is the current law. So uh, to, for the council to take action to direct any kind of uh, traffic control, including the, um, the crossing guard, would require us, and the city attorney can correct me if I'm wrong, to change that ordinance, uh, which, we're not which we're certainly not able to do tonight. Someone would have to, we'd have to do that, go through the process of changing uh, that ordinance. So that I wanted both the council to understand, I wanted everyone uh, to understand that. Now, someone certainly could make that motion and can see where that goes, but that's not something that's, that is where we're limited by following the municipal code uh, tonight. Um, motion could be made to allocate money that could be given to the school district. The school district under the law could hire a crossing guard and put a crossing guard uh, uh, at, that, at that site. Um, I don't know whether they would do that. They, they are, they are, I know that they're out of that business. They, they don't, I don't think the school district employs any crossing guard at this time anywhere in the district, that there are crossing guards employed by the cities throughout the district, but they, they are not doing that now. But that's another, the, the we, that is something that we could do that would not be in violation of our current ordinances. Um, and uh, uh, so that, that, that motion would be something that, uh, that could be made and discussed if someone wanted to, uh, uh, to do that. We do, as you know, give um, uh, money, about a quarter of a million dollars to our, to our PFCs, and they could theoretically use money, uh, that money, to uh, fund a, a crossing guard, although if the city manager did not determine it was necessary, that would have to be a school district crossing guard that they could, that they could fund if they wanted uh, to do that with uh, their money. And my understanding is in this particular case, it was in the past paid for at least partially through some of those funds. The, uh, the PFC funds went half and half to pay for that. Yeah. Is that wrong? No, that is correct. It was 50-50 agree as an interim measure. I understand the interim measure. And I, and I do, when it gets to my turn, I have a question on how long did we have a crossing guard there and so forth. But I'll, I'll wait because I, I like to give the other. I'm just trying to set the parameters of what options we legally have before, we, before I go to the council members for whatever the comments they want to make. And, and I think I've done that based on the city ordinance that we have and what options we have. So with that, I'm open to, yes. Uh, Mr. Mayor, members of council, just one minor clarification. Certainly the council can discuss the question of whether to allocate funds, but under this matter, the, ma the way this matter is agendized, it's for discussion, not action. Right. And as a result, if the council were inclined to do that, staff would, be need, would need direction to come back with the appropriate resolution to, of appropriation for funding that. Right, that, that is correct. The item is properly agendized based on our existing ordinance. Okay, so um, with that, 
I'll open it up to any comments or further discussion by the council. Councilman Martin. Um, I have a couple questions. Could we, um, we have a officer um, that goes between the schools, the safety officer that, that we pay for, could we have him stand there and do the crossing? Or is that not a sheriff's? That's not what the sheriff does. What's, what's the answer? This is to put Mark Marino at that corner. Right. That's an awful expensive crossing guard. But I mean, he's, I don't know what he's doing those 15 minutes in the morning that we couldn't use him over there. And 15 minutes in the afternoon. I know he's, uh, you know, when I was at the high school and PFC president, you know, he wandered the campus and stuff. But I mean, we're paying $200,000 a year for this officer. And I don't, I, I don't think asking him to spend 15 minutes. I can certainly talk to Captain. Wait, wait, wait. It's, just so we know, it's not going to be 15 minutes. It's going to be a round trip from the high school. It's going to be staying well, there his, a half hour, 45 his minutes. His job is actually to um, go to observe the middle schools and the high schools. He, you know, he just kind of wanders. Well, um, isn't, couldn't we utilize him? But first of all, we don't, we do, well, you tell me if I'm wrong, Mr. City Manager. He doesn't work for us. Works for the Los Angeles County Sheriff's Department. No, but no, we, he works for us. Oh, we yes. could tell him. We could. So do I think but, we could direct a one of the, a, yeah. a, a, but a but sheriff's to be a crossing guard every day? Well, he's, he's hired for so. safety. But regardless, those are city funds, and a crossing guard is not warranted at that intersection. Right. Well, okay. Well, I'm just throwing out some possibilities. But he's not a crossing guard. I mean, he, he could perform that function, but it, it's He would not be much more effective because he would be in uniform. You, you maybe remember when all of this first started, we, we were going to do these improvements, and then, and then waiting for these improvements, we were going to set up, we set up a, a crossing guard. The agreement was that after the improvements were done, the, tra the crossing guard would be removed. There is no sense in having done all these improvements and then replacing the crossing guard. We ought not to have ever done the improvements and kept the crossing guard. Th that's well, that's yeah, the rationale. That's, so if, if I, and, 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 and so you know, it's not that um, it, what the whole thing calls here. It says so people understand that it's not uh, just. It says that I shall make such determination only upon the basis of traffic engineering principles and traffic investigations and in accordance with such standards, limitations, and rules set forth. So I cannot act on this unless I have a warrant that says that it's warranted. So it's not just me going down there and taking a look and seeing what's going on. It's the traffic engineer who's licensed telling me that this condition warrants this kind of, 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 of mechanism. So that's what that's what's involved here, and okay. Do do we are we paying for the crossing guard that it's that's on school property at AE Wright that someone mentioned? We're not paying for him. Oh, okay. It's a classified employee. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Um, has. Has, have we thought about the, the 
the grant money that we give to the school? Do the parents PFC? Clearly the council can say we're going to give this PFA PFC less money, the amount that it costs to do a crossing guard, give them less money, give that money to the school district and ask the school district to hire a crossing guard. We can do that. If the, now and the PFA PFC had said when we went half and half, we were going to see if there was an, a willingness to continue doing this before. That was before we did the study. So we, we asked, are you willing to continue to spend half and half on this thing? And they said, no, we're not willing to put up any money that the city gives us because that money is for the use of the entire school, not just for the use of parents who have their kids crossing at this intersection. So that was the response from the PFA PFC. And I think they're there and they can tell you the same thing, that the money from the school, go, from the city, goes for school-wide uh, uses. All right, what, what I want to do is go, let's have each councilman give them their chance to comment and, and ask questions. So, Councilman Martin, because I see people chomping, but let's just try to go orderly as mm -hmm. opposed to back and forth. Any, anything further? Okay. Uh, Mayor Pro Tem Shapiro. Thank you, and thank you to everyone who's here speaking, to staff. Uh, I just want to clarify something, uh, as I understand it. The improvements at that location were solely in relation to the Safe Routes to School grant. They were not designed for the purposes, although they may have a residual effect or a side effect for the community, they were designed for safety of school, our schools and our, our youth. And you can correct me if I'm wrong. That is correct. Okay. Uh, I thank you again for all the reports. I did read them carefully. I'm aware of uh, the situation we're in. I do see here, at least I counted, nine very uh, active concerned parents. Um, I had mentioned this before in addition to the alternative of funds uh, coming out of the PFC, which is not, not a recommendation from the PFC at this time of a right. Uh, having, is there a possibility of having parent volunteers such as at other schools for the morning and afternoon? As I said, there are nine very active uh, concerned parents here. I know the PFC is an excellent PFC. You have a strong parent uh, parent group at the school because I'm there a fair amount. Is that something that could be done or considered uh, to have an adult presence there in the afternoons and the mornings at little or no cost? That would be a recommendation. Okay, anything further? Uh, I, again, I, I no. The reports are there. Uh, I think everything has been indicated. The only comment I might make is if there's an issue with the sound uh, beacon or, or the sound uh, the minute you press the button, if there's a potential ability to have a delay in that sound noise uh, so that the crosswalk process begins slightly afterwards to allow the child or those crossing to have some time to prepare. Uh, would be great and, it, and it's my understanding in driving through the area which I have as well as well as the other uh, flashing beacons over over on Valmar that drivers of vehicles can see those very clearly kids necessarily in the crosswalk don't don't necessarily see them but the design purpose is for vehicles if I'm correct, correct. not also for the kids were educated when you push button you just don't jump in the street. You look left, right, making sure you have a body system. For Monday and Tuesday, we educate these kids how to cross. I agree they're sixth graders, but a lot of times we should not blame only drivers. Other children, the parents just testified. I seen it myself. They just come and push the button and keep on going. 
And we need to educate this kid to wait, to group up, and then cross safely. I mean, it's not only this location. They can be crossing further up. They said they're going to community center. I just noticed them there. By the time they're getting to community center, they're crossing a bunch of other streets that they're not paying attention. What are we going to do? Next intersection, we're going to put more crossing guards. We've got to educate our children how to cross safely. And the, the only if, last comment, if I might make, uh, I've been I've received comments and contact from other uh, parents from other schools in our district that have, uh, are concerned and certainly have a need or desire uh, for the safety of their children and additional support or crossing guards if possible. I think we have to be considerate of that fact. If we're going to go further and, and a desire is to, as a council, to support some type of project or additional compensation, we should also realize that we have other schools in the district that should be treated equally or considered down the road. Councilman Bazaji. Um, well, it is very tempting to simply accept staff's recommendation or and to, uh, and which was bolstered by the Sheriff's Department's independent analysis, which I respect. But I think there are some other alternatives that we haven't explored here, one of which would be, um, is there any staggering of the time of crossing guards between the different schools within the district such that we could use crossing guards throughout the day or throughout the morning and throughout the afternoon? In other words, from Lupin Hill to A.E. Wright or anything of that sort? Well, the timings are so close and the schools are not that close to each other that we can utilize that. Okay. A crossing guard needs to get there 15 minutes before actual time and they're there 15 minutes after. Then the other thing that I'm, I'm a little uh, surprised didn't make this report that I was thinking of was the dual use of staff. You know, is, is there a reason why we couldn't fill one of our uh, traffic and transportation department employees with somebody who had the ability to serve as a crossing guard and then they're available to the city the rest of the day in a, capacity, in a job capacity. In other words, a vacancy comes open, we hire somebody and that's added to the list of things they'd have to be skilled at doing. Council Member, the issue here is not whether we, there is a way to put a crossing guard there. The issue here is that a crossing guard is not warranted at that location. Yeah, but here's the issue and with me, though. I understand. I, I understand your point, and, I, and I'm trying to work around your point in that if, in fact, it's not going to be an extra cost to the city, for example, like what I just said, where we have a staff opening and we put in that requirement as part of the job duties, it would seem to me a very harmless way of putting a crossing guard at the location and not costing the city any extra money except for the fact that the person will be out there an hour or two a day and not available to perform other functions within the department. I, what, I, what I'm trying to do, and this is this resistance I get sometimes from staff that I, I don't care for, is that when there's a problem, the first obstacle, the first block that comes, we just stop and we say, well, we're not doing it because of this. I'm suggesting that there is this alternative way. Maybe, I don't know, maybe I'm absolutely wrong and there's no way we could find somebody with that skill set who would also be able to serve on the staff in any other capacity. But rather, than, but the way you answered the question was not, you know, we can't do it that way. It's just we're not doing it that way. 
I would like to look at that as an alternative. I mean, assuming that anyone else wants to do that, because that to me is the least expensive. It doesn't cost the city anything except for the internal staff time. Again, that the person then would council member be change the ordinance. You, you, the ordinance says that I have responsibility for that and that I will only emplace it based on a warrant. I'm not going to do it just because uh, a workaround. We either change the ordinance and you, and you well, take that responsibility back and then the council can decide this in whatever manner you want. But right now, the law of the city says that it's based on a, on a warrant. I don't, I don't like the absolutes there. Well, and also, I, I, the, reason why we, the reason why we change the ordinance and why I, I trust you to do this do the right thing in these situations is because you're correct somebody alluded to the fact that council members were going and taking pet projects under their wings and allocating the staff at various locations or insisting that they be done that way and that was not the right way to run a city I mean you can't run a city like that but I think that in changing the ordinance and giving you the discretion the understanding was that if the council desired something as a group that you would accommodate it or make an attempt to accommodate it. And I think that the solution I'm offering is a fairly easy way of doing it without any extra cost or trouble to the city. If it can be done, maybe it can't be done, but you haven't told me that, you just, you're telling Council me you're not gonna the, do the it. The purpose of this was to preclude exactly what's going on. And that is the expenditure of public money based on a group of folks coming to the council and putting political pressure or whatever pressure they're putting I on. I don't feel political or, or group, pressure. Or group pressure to do something that isn't warranted. Now, that's, that's the law that you wrote. It's, it's, it's there, the city attorney can, can, can inform you on it. If you wish to amend the law and say that I can do this and I don't have to be restricted to uh, warrants and all this other kind of stuff, that's another issue. All right, well, I said my, I said my piece. And, and we can, what, and you how can do I would How <laughs> I would resolve the situation is just what I said. Thank you. Okay. Um, just, an hour. I have just a, a few follow-up questions and comments. Um, I wanted to follow up on Mayor Pro Tem's comment about equity as far as cross guards go. Calabasas High School has a cross guard. Do we pay for that? Yes. AC Stell has a cross guard. Do we pay for that? Yes. Lupin Hill has a cross guard. Do we pay for that? Yes. Chaparral has how many cross guards? I believe two. I two. don't have Do we the pay for those? Yes. Two? Okay, we're already um, earmarking funds for a cross guard at every school and why we ever came up with the 50-50 split with, with AE right in the first place puzzled me and I, I, um, I just want to set the record straight that I do not think that PFCs either universally pay for it or we continue this. And I do have questions about um, the warrants and the findings. Again, you took only two days to do a count this time around and yet we also read that an observation was made that there was a there was much more traffic because of people not electing to drive their students to school um, and then we heard a testimony from one parent so at a minimum I would like to see a week's tabulation on a clear not rainy day um, and maybe with the cross guard let's get a real snapshot some kind of pilot program with us with the cross guard 
and letting the community know, and let's look at those numbers. Because these aren't, I don't think. Mary Sue, I just want to make correction. These are the highest number. We've been taking numbers every day, as even parents testify here. But I have independent person taking count, so please don't play down traffic study. Those are the highest number. We follow guidelines. I am a certified traffic engineer. So you did you more have than a two traffic days? engineer. We've been taking numbers almost every day. So these are the highest number. It's not that we just took number today and we throw the study it's, together well, the way we presented. Well, I'm looking at your report. So well, if you those had are more the days. numbers. We just don't need to put everyday number. If you want, I can send you the numbers that we took for last month. Every day we've been taking numbers. In the morning, do not exceed 20. In the afternoon, it varies anywhere between 30 to 40, as it was reported. These are the highest number. So it's okay. not that we just took two numbers justify our study. That's not the well, way we do. I, we are registered traffic engineers. You don't need to I, raise your voice. So you I'm not raising to. my voice. I'm just stating that my study, it's valid. It's my staff study. It's stamp. It's not put together just to say it's warranted okay, or it's not. I, I'm, I'm, saying, I'm not saying your numbers are inaccurate. I'm saying That's that what you exactly just no, said a minute I, ago. You said no, there's only two days and I corrected you it. You didn't understand me then. Okay. What I said was that there was a secondary, a, a, an attachment from one of your observers, from one of your staff, saying there was an increase in drop-off and less in walking because of the lack of a cross guard. Is that, that's, is that true? That is one day of observation that you received those reports. Okay, so I'm not so sure about these numbers. And then we hear from eyewitnesses who are there every single day saying there, there are more and there would be even more um, so I'm not so sure. So I would suggest that we do, we just do another evaluation with a cross guard. Let's look at what the numbers would be with a cross guard. Um, the other comments I have, Sergeant Brooks, when we do have our school cross guards out there, they stop all lanes of traffic. They stand out there and they stop it. And all the video that I've seen of um, shot, the cars are going before the children have crossed. Why are the cross guards out there stopping all lanes of traffic? Uh, the, the law is a little different when there's actually a crossing guard. They will control the intersection curb to curb. That's the difference. And, and uh, why would they do that? Uh, that's the way they do it to make sure it's 100% safe in case someone comes running from the other direction or something like that. So it is safer? Yeah. No, not necessarily. Uh -huh. Because the problem, as you're seeing on the video, you're seeing parents anxious, anxious to go. Uh, when there's no crossing guard there parents? and a kid crosses halfway, the cars behind him start to go. With a crossing guard, they can't do that. that. That increases the congestion, makes parents more anxious, and then more likely, when I've seen in my experience, to make a bad decision and go when it's not safe. And that's what I meant by a crossing guard could make it safer or it could make it worse. And then missing from this report uh, are the number of accidents at that intersection. Uh, I know that at Lost Hills and Lost Virginis, and correct me if I'm wrong, is, is the most accident-prone intersection in the city. I don't know if and I And that's just down the road. I don't know if I could say that. I, okay. I don't have the numbers. I have to check for you. I, I, I could, think it's I one of the highest, out. certainly. But as far as the, that intersection we're in question here, no, there's, we have no data other than I think the one someone referred to, and I'm not even sure we got a report on that. And so, so as far as I know, there's not any accidents there. Was that considered the number of accidents? And that is not, that's irrelevant, is it? That's, that's not, like I said, that's not part. Of, you saw the criteria, which is uh, how it's controlled, the number of people, the number of cars. It's not 
It's not the number of accidents. What, what, how you base these things, and that's why it, when you have an uncontrolled intersection, if over time you find that you need a, a stronger control device, you may put a yield sign based on a traffic study, and the same thing with a stop sign or a traffic signal. But it's based on a history, and, and, and in this case, with, this, with the snapshots that were taken by the traffic engineers, it, it is what it is in, in that case. Okay, and then I'm done with my comments, um, with the exception that I, do, I would like to see an, uh, another week with a cross guard to get a more accurate number, only because this number uh, contradicts a, re a report. It doesn't contradict, but it explains the lower count saying that people are are driving instead. And then I would like to explore some of the other ideas that have been put forward, including um, Deputy Marino, uh, a city staff person, um, and uh, Okay, well, this is um, a, a very interesting a very interesting issue because it involves a lot of different, uh, a lot of dis different aspects, not only of traffic safety, but of managing a city and how do, how do you go about making uh, decisions in, in a city. Um, I, I will tell you that personally, I have been out there uh, on three occasions personally and then watch now almost an hour of videotape that has been sent to me of, of, the, various, of the various crossings. Um, it is at times messy, as are all as are all the intersections, including the intersections with uh, uh, or the crossings with uh, cross with crossing guards. Um, I do rely heavily on our sheriffs and our city staff and our school tra our school safety uh, staff uh, to give advice on this, as well as the principal at the school. Uh, and PFC leaders and others, all of whom I've talked to and who uh, have told me that they do not believe that a crossing guard is, is necessary there. And that, frankly, is also my personal observation. Uh, but I don't want to rely on my personal observation. I want to rely, and, and why is that? It's exactly why we have the ordinance that gives us to, this, to, this, to the city manager and asks him to try and go by standards. Because I have people asking me all the time to do different things. I want, you know, I really like a stop sign. Take out the stop sign, okay? Put, put in, put in the, the curb. Take out the curb. We have too many signs. We don't have enough signs. This is a constant. And how do you make it, you know, and sometimes it's one person, sometimes it's a homeowner association room full of people. And how do you make these decisions? You try to make them on what, you know, on some kind of engineering guideline. Um, it is not the money, and that's why these suggestions of, well, let's take a, a full sheriff's deputy and put him there for 15 minutes, or let's have one of our staff people, we're gonna hire a traffic engineer who you know, graduated from uh, Cal Poly, and we're gonna say, and every day on your way to work, stop and be the crossing guard for 20 minutes. That's, that's not the issue, it's not the issue. It's what, it, uh, if we're gonna do it, then just take the money and get a crossing guard. The issue is, is it justified? And where do you where do you stop and start? Which 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 requests do you grant and which do you not grant? And so when you happen to have a situation where you have standards, uh, where you have experts out there, um, and and by the way, if there was an accident where a child was injured, of course we would all feel terrible, but no one would feel worse 
than our, our school traffic engineer, this, who, whose entire job it is to, to make sure that we don't have any of those. Uh, and if he was, you know, and, and, the, and the sheriffs, I mean, this is, and, and the sheriffs and our city staff, all of us. But you have to make these decisions. You know, some people are saying, well, you have it at this school, you have it at this place and not this place. There's, there's a lot of different reasons. I mean, you know, at, uh, at the AC Stell has one entrance for the entire school. So in that one entrance, you have, and I don't know how many kids, how many kids are at AC Stell, 800 kids? Okay, so you have 200 walkers and three, 400 vehicles all going in one driveway, okay, in that 15 minute period. This, is a, this is a secondary access that we just opened. It has a small number, a way smaller number than, of, of people. That's, I'm not saying that they don't have to be as safe as everyone else, but it is a much smaller number of people both walking and even being dropped off. Um, even compared to why you would have a, uh, why the school sends one of the aides out to the front of the school, because at the front of the school they are having 300 vehicles and 100 walkers coming in. Okay, so whereas back here we have whatever it is, 20 or 30, we can argue about the numbers. These numbers are about right. And by the way, what I found most fascinating about the numbers is, numbers are exactly the same when you had the, cross, when you had the crossing guard, when you don't have the crossing guard. Okay, you had, you had 20 to 30 in the morning, you had 30 to 40 in the afternoon when we had the crossing guard, and you have the same number when you, didn't have, when you don't have the crossing guard, at least according to these numbers. I have no reason to doubt these numbers. And frankly, from observing the videotapes, I was roughly counting the numbers in the videotapes, and they seem to match up. Again, unscientific, but that's what I did while I watched the videotapes, whoever sent me the videotapes. Um, so, the we have, we do about $1 million of our $20 million general fund budget on school-related items. So these are all things that schools used to pay for that city now pays for. That includes the bus, the buses and the buses and the shuttles. It includes the cro crossing guards that we do uh, hire. Uh, it includes the, the quarter of a million dollars that goes to the PFC, which has been used for lots of different things, lots of different schools, including at some schools at some times for school safety issues. Uh, it includes paying for school staff to be there early and late. Okay, so the, I don't know, but the, the, the school staff person that at, at A.E. Wright that goes out in front may be the one that's paid for by the Calabasas money that pays for an extra staff person to be there early and late to help monitor traffic. Uh, and part of it was we could open the school earlier, more people would come earlier, we would leave the traffic. So uh, these, all of that adds up to almost a million dollars a year of, of, of items. During the last four year, five years, during the recession of the last four years, where we made budget cuts of up to 15% in city departments and programs, we did not cut. There are two areas that we did not cut a penny. One was the sheriffs, and one was the school-related issues. Uh, employees didn't get raises. We cut parks, libraries, other areas. Did not cut those areas. So the commitment of this of the council and the city to, to this is, is not questioned. It's really an issue of how do you justify, the, and in this particular case, this was exactly what was planned. What was planned was we were gonna temporarily have a crossroad. I, I don't know how long we had the crossroad. Was it just one year, was it two years? Two years. It was two, two years, so for many years before that, we didn't have a crossroad. Right. Of course, we didn't have a bridge, 
but we didn't have a crossing guard. And then we had the crossing guard with the intention from day one that that crossing guard would go out once these other improvements were in, which is exactly what we did. So we did exactly what was planned, thought out, agreed to. School Traffic Safety Committee had said this is what we're going to do. Um, everyone was on board. I didn't know of anyone who wasn't on board with that exact plan. So that plan was implemented, whatever, two months ago when school started. And that's and then of course you, you you had a cross guard you didn't have one you said hey where's my cross guard I get it uh, and it, it it I understand that it it uh, uh, why you why you would want to have uh, the crossing guard at the same time it's a, it's a full stop sign someone said well it could be a stop light stop lights are better this is a full stop sign every single car has to stop um, and again doesn't mean that it's not messy it is messy it's messy at all these intersections. Um, but uh, I, I don't know how we say yes to this and not and, and, and run the city in a way that doesn't respond to every single request to do thing, you know, to do these kinds of traffic things. Um, so I, uh, I, I think that the city did a good job of, of analyzing this and providing the information. I think we have an an ordinance that I intend to follow until as long as it's in place, which says that the city manager makes uh, makes this decision, and um, uh, and and you know I'm satisfied that uh, that the report is there and that the the safety uh, is in place, and uh, and I don't I'm I'm not in a I, I'm not advocating that we take any further action on the on on this item. So. Uh, we do not have an action item in front of us. Well, you know, I, I think the council could pass a sense of the council resolution, just like a sense of the Senate resolution, disagreeing with the summary recommendation. There was no recommendation. Well, you could, or, but. If I'm what, not allowed to do anything what else. What action other do you want that, to take? Why don't you. If I'm being told that yeah. it's either changing the ordinance, which I'm not going to requ request to do, or. Mm -hmm. Stating a position publicly, I'd like to state formally a sense of the council, and I would so move that I dis disagree with the conclusion of the staff recommendation because other alternatives weren't explored. All right, but my point is this, James: you could do that, and, but why don't you? Why don't you say what it is you want to do? Do you want I to did. come back? Do you want? But do you want? I, I spent that's, that's ten all minutes. Wanted. You don't want to come back with something at some other point. You don't I want just to take an action. Well, at some I just point? did state what I felt was a very reasonable alternative that would not cost the city any extra money. Let me let me let me let me because I, I can add money. Some. Money is the huge big elephant in this room, and I'll and I've I've heard the city manager say it time and time again that he's not going willing to spend $8,000 for an entitlement program to the schools over and over. Before you got the study, when this was brewing, you predetermined that you are absolutely not going to spend the money. And, as, and then I get this report that, you know, I, I don't want to say slapped together because that was your term and I, <laughs> it wasn't slapped together, but, you know, I, I'm not. I'm not. I, I'm I not called. Confident just so you know, I called Pat, uh, the the captain, this morning, and I told him that this was going to come on, and that I wanted their honest opinion on whether they thought that a crossing guard there uh, would 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 do anything, and and that's what I told the sheriff. 
I said, I don't want to put words in your mouth. I want your honest opinion about that intersection. And, and I've told staff the same thing when we did the report. I said, I'm not trying to cook the books here on, on, on this thing. The, the thing that I, that, I will, that I will tell you, though, is yes, we had an agreement, which is right, that we were going to spend $200,000, which we did, to make this intersection safer, and that if we put another crossing guard there, that's going to be $8,000 more a year in perpetuity, which we ought not to spend, my, my personal opinion, because it's not warranted. Now, what, what, I, what Robert said was that we have been giving a lot of attention to this intersection. We can, we can get, for example, like, uh, like Lewis and send them out there uh, on a two-day-a-week thing that that's where he is. Now, he's not going to be a crossing guard because a crossing guard isn't warranted, and I'm not going to put a crossing guard there unless it's warranted. But I can send Lewis out there as, a, as, an, as an observer to group the kids to do some of those kind of things for two days a week. We can do that. Now, I don't want to do that because well, that's, that's bad to do it halfway. Well, but he's, but, but he, but he's also training them. I mean, it, it, one of the things that, that's involved here is getting the kids trained, which we went out there and tried to do. We, took a, we had, a, we had a, another group, right, a, a, a separate organization go out there and, and spend some time with the kids to try to get them to uh, group themselves and to cross in a way that makes it safer. But that, that's, look, in this case, it is what it is. I will, we will keep monitoring this intersection. We will keep being out there. It'll be a priority for the sheriff for, for, to be out there more than they normally are or in, in, in other areas. And I think that's a reasonable resolution. And if over time we find out that, that more needs to be done, then maybe next year we do another uh, uh, traffic study and see if it warrants, if there's any conditions have changed and if anything else is warranted. Can Lewis count walkers? But I'm not going to. Lewis is not the travel. Well, yeah, he can. I mean, I mean, who, who can? He, who he can? Yes, can, but, but Madam Mayor, we will have independent counting company count. I promise you that. But in the morning, the number does not reach close to 40. Trust me on that. Well, the I parents think, are here. No, ask them. No, my point is that if there's some safety there and someone helping, I believe the numbers will go up. Well, I agree with you. Uh, the number, I hope, goes up. We build a bridge at million dollars. I went and got I know, a grant. It's, it's I'm doing all this stuff. I want to see more walkers. And school. then we cut the cross guard. Did we notify the public and get in any input that we were cutting the guard? Were you notified at all? Zero notification and zero input on right. what you thought? You have okay, two thanks. council members that are members of the school traffic that are your representatives to I'm, that I'm, school. I'm, they participated. Well, the school was informed. It, it's another it's another failing in our public outreach and communicating to stakeholders. Right, but, but Mary Sue, so you send a notice to Deer Springs. We're cutting the crossing guard. So now 50 people show up. Okay, and it's still and the the, still, the, still the, the engineering doesn't warn it. So the question is, are we going to put traffic control and crossing guards at places that it's not warranted because people want to have it there? If we want to make that decision. Then, then make the decision. Okay, look, it is. It's not the eight thousand dollars. We already we're spending eight thousand dollars. We, we, with, it's it's the issue of where do you put it, where you don't, and where and how, and then what do you say to the next group that wants stop sign, traffic light, this, that, or the other thing. You know, it's, that's you know that's the issue. And by the way, let me tell you what I do take offense. The, you made a comment to the city manager that it was he was somehow drawing the line. My recollection, city manager's position is, don't fall on the sword for eight thousand dollars. Right. Okay, but 
you want to follow the law or you don't want to follow the law. If, if you don't care about following law and you want to do what a group comes in and tells you to do, regardless of what your experts are telling you and what your, what your guidelines tell you, it, it's not the issue. So it's the exact opposite of what you said is my understanding of the city manager's position. I just, well, it's, it's not necessary he, to get that. Let's get to the issue of, Had he do you stuck want to, to that position, you would be right, but he flipped. No, he didn't flip. Yes, he the, did flip. Look, decide, do you want to put a crossing guard here, regardless of the fact that your experts are telling you it's not warranted and your ordinance says you can't do it. If you want to do that, then we can take, the city attorney can outline exactly what steps you need to take, and if you have a majority I'd of the like council to do it, yeah. you can do it. I, okay. I don't want to do that, and I don't want to do it because I don't know how I do it for them and not do it for, for Richard when he comes in and says, Cal, here's Calabasas Park, homeowners lists of things that we want, and, and I do it for uh, every other neighborhood that comes Can in I and respond? says, give me my list. Can I respond? Um, I'm not sure when we passed the ordinance delegating the right for the city manager 2006. to... In 2006, and I'm 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 not willing to change that. I think it was good. We were under pressure to do small, which uh, small things that didn't seem necessary. So, and I I don't think I have questioned your judgment at all ever. With this exception, I feel strongly about. It. I think the behavior of children has to be taken into consideration, and 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 I I see engineers have a checklist, and and. Um, and our law enforcement has a citation list, but no one really is looking at the unpredictable behavior of children and the distractibility these days of drivers. So um, I have not intervened ever on any traffic decisions. Okay. So this is unique, and I think that it needs to be treated uniquely. Except and for I the think polls at, uh, at uh, front of AC Stell. The polls, yeah, that's true. Well, that was a long, that was, I like those. I put in pedestrian safety polls at A.C. Stowe. Yeah. He hates them. I a love good them. memory. Um, okay, I would like to ask the city attorney, you did, I think, say, or I think you did, Mayor, um, that we could put on an agenda item to. Change the ordinance. That's well, it. we could, but I said I'm not. But I'm not. I'm not ready to do that. I'm, I'm not willing to do that. I just disagree strongly on this one. Um, but so strongly <laughs> that um, I, would, I would move that we put on an item um, at the next council meeting to allocate $8,000 for a a, either a cross guard or um, an additional $8,000 to the PFC at AE Wright to pay for the cross guard. I'm not sure which. I think what, what you're really looking at, Mr. Mayor, members of council, if I can, is allocating funds either to the school district or to some private entity to work with the school district because the education code gives them the authority to retain crossing guards to place, as, as, as the words mm -hmm. state in the code, to employ individuals as crossing guards to place them at intersections near schools to protect uh, the safety of children. It really wouldn't be to allocate money for a crossing guard because that could be interpreted as encroaching on the city manager's authority based upon expert uh, studies. Sounds like the money is to be allocated for the school district to retain a crossing guard. It's what, that's what I'm interpreting what you're saying. Okay, so $8,000 to the school district. That's my motion. All right, you don't need to make a motion. I do not plan to put that on the agenda, so two council members can put that on the agenda if they request to have it put on the agenda. But um, wait, why, why can't 
have you asked the PFCs whether they have the funding to do that from the money we gave them? Well, they yes, and they have said they don't want to do that. They, they have the money, but they've chosen. They have other priorities she, that they want to spend there. the money on. Well, PFC president wants to speak. She's speaking. I'm the PFC president <laughs> at A. Right. Um, it isn't that we don't want to do it. We don't have the funds. We're in, in like a twenty thousand dollar deficit in our budget right now. The other thing, our bylaws do not allow us to pay for a crossing guard. They specifically say for things that are educational only on our school property. Did you pay half the fee for the school cross guard these past we, two years? We, we're, paying it to the, we're paying it to the city. And that was supposed to be only from um, the November of 2011 to March of 2012 and not to exceed 2,500 and it's over 6,800 is what we've gotten a bill for. And that has also put another big chunk in our um, budget. And the money that you so graciously give us, it has to be used for all 835 students at AE Wright and, not, and, and also a portion of that is Title I. And um, we have to use that, we, if we were to take any portion of it and say, okay, we're gonna put it over here for a crossing guard, we actually need crossing guards in, in two other places on our campus, which we, we know we're not going to get. So they are heavily tra traveled. The top of our loop, where all the parents come in, that is a really, really bad section. And then also at the, um, in the front of the school, going over to the shuttle, it's a mob scene. And it's, and, and it's, a, it's coming out of our um, driveway. And there's a preschool back there. So we have a lot of traffic coming through there. And they can't even see the kids because there's a big wall of somebody's home there. So that ends up being a staff member. A teacher goes out and does that. A lot of schools have staff and parents chip in for these so things. They, the staff can do it on um, school property only. They can't do it on Lost Hills because it isn't our property. We have sent out a request what we're trying to do is put together a volunteer list of people who will take each, each afternoon to go out there and, and group kids and make sure that they make eye contact and have, have a parent there every afternoon to make sure the kids get across the street safely. But beyond that, as far as paying for it, our bylaws preclude us from doing that. Um, we don't have the money. Um, if you were to give the school district the money, I would think they'd probably want to spend it on education. They would, I mean, I'm sure you could tell them you have to spend it on a crossing guard yeah. at Last Hills. Yeah, but I don't even I, know if we could earmark money yeah. for the school district to force them to spend it on that. And, and you owe us $6,500 right now? 6808 I don't really remember. It, what happened is, Everything didn't get put in place by March of 2012. So the crossing guard got stretched out further. I think everybody got very comfortable with having the crossing guard there as all the improve improvements were being made. And it just kept going on and on. And the amount went up. And we, weren't, we didn't have it budgeted, but we did take it to our, our um, meeting and get it voted in, so we're gonna be able to pay that. 
but it is going to, you know, not be easy. That's a separate issue, but I think it's very unfair that we have been charging one of our schools for a cross guard and none of the other schools, and I, I, I would hope there's something we could do about that. Well, thank you, but, you know, we agreed to it, so. And it was a, a good way to get, uh, and as far as the education piece that you all did um, for our school last year, um, Kim Marie Taylor, our principal, asked Robert Yolda if we could have, if we could actually pay for it. The PFC w would be able to pay for that, to have the safe schools people come back. And um, he was able to have them come back, and we didn't have to pay for them, but they came back to teach our sixth graders because our seventh and eighth graders already got the training last year. Compliments of you all. So, I'm sorry we can't pay for it. I would love to. I, it's just, you know. No, but, but as we spoke, I mean, if we can provide two days and you can provide three days with parent volunteers, I think you got the, you, you got the intersection covered. Yeah, we're going to try to, as it is now, our principal, our assistant principal, one of them tries to go out there every day. Yeah. So. We're trying to, to teach them, but honestly, I, I understand that they really, really no. feel that they need a crossing guard, and um, I wish we could pay for it, but we really just don't have. We, we have a, a, our donor drive. We only have 15% participation from our parents. It's, we're not one of the, um, we're not one of the rich schools, but we're rich in other ways. So anyway, thank you. Okay. Well, maybe the two, are you two days, Lewis, in the morning and in the afternoon? Yes. And until we resolve this further, when, when you reach your 40 student mark, do you think you could muster three parents a week? You're out there? How much is the when the audience isn't picking up on this. Okay. It, it's hard to have the discussion from the, uh, the public hearing is closed and appreciate the comments. Okay. What, um, this was a uh, agenda item with uh, a staff report. There's no action. So is there a, uh, an action that someone wants to move tonight, or is there an agenda item that someone wants to place on a, fu on a future uh, agenda? Could you, um, Tony, could you repeat what it is you think would be a remedy, knowing that what, what, having parent volunteers if, might if not If parents are there right now, the, one of the things we can do is, is, is organize the kids. Now, we're still under limits that we're not going to provide a crossing guard because it's not warranted. We can certainly have Lewis out there and be there in the morning and in the afternoon, twice, uh, twice a week, uh, getting the kids together, pressing the button, telling them to go, not crossing with them as they go back and forth, but, but doing that kind of stuff. And then if we have some parents uh, from the PFC who wish to do that the other three days, we could, we, I think we can handle it pretty much in that way if we want to do something like that. It doesn't take any action. I'll do that starting tomorrow if we have to, and, and uh, we'll work out some kind of a schedule. And what about Deputy Marino? He does make his rounds to the different schools. Is there a day a week? 
Well, I, you know, now we're adding, and then it'd be. I, I'm, I'm, what I'm saying is, is, is Lewis, because then it will be what, what Councilmember Brazilian said. Then it will be somebody else from the staff on another day. Uh, let, if I could ask the, a question, the, I can. Yeah, I'll. I was just going to ask I, uh, I just, if that was going to be what what occurs, and Lewis is out there two days a week, guiding and teaching the children. Uh, it's. A suggestion would be if parents are going to be involved that at least one a different parent come each day to learn the process properly from Lewis not that you're not all great and much more knowledgeable than I but at least it would be a training experience as well as how to perform that duty and I'm oh, I don't, and, and I was going to say I'm not inclined to uh, uh, Put Deputy Marino uh, away from the school itself, schools that he's already working with. But I would also think that this, that's the captain's responsibility to right. move him or not. Deputy Marino is an on-call sheriff stepping in the city. If there's a call, he needs to respond. It's not that's not the solution to the problem. Okay. All right. Then I would move that uh, on the next agenda that we have um, an item to provide the school district with $8,000 for a crossing guard if I could get a second council member to support that. Someone else wanted that to be placed on the next agenda? Well, did we say that the, we could do that? I mean, we could give the school district money and tell them that they need to hire, that they we, have we to would hire have no, crossing guard? We would have no control. The school district would have to want to do it. Mm -hmm. We could do it and we could offer it to them. Offer it, but they don't have to accept it. And for we that could. could we could we bring the school district in and have a conversation with them? We would do them after, uh, probably before the next meeting, to when it's under discussion. I need I need a second now though to get it on the agenda. Okay. Are there any uh, anything else on this item? Well, I, I still would like to, I mean, no one seconded my motion. No. Which was your motion? To, well, I, I think. I'll second I, yours if you second mine. <laughs> <laughs> no, it doesn't work like that. Actually, you can't do that. Sometimes. Let, um, let, let's do this. Or, or, well, here's another suggestion. I, can I make another suggestion before you mm -hmm. go back to second swapping? Um, the Mayor Pro Tem and I sit on the School Traffic Safety Committee, so we're sort of the liaisons on that issue. Uh, let us, we understand, we understand that the council wants to, to do something on this, uh, whether it be staffing it some way uh, or finding a way to, to provide some funding. Uh, why don't you let us um, discuss with the city manager and the staff these issues and, and then we'll come back at the next meeting with uh, with a with some recommendation on that okay but, but you but you all have expressed yeah. that you don't think it warrants a cross guard you're talking about alternatives to a cross guard look um, I I think that the, the, the I think the data says it doesn't warrant it and I think our ordinance says because of that the city manager can't approve it for eight thousand dollars I would freaking do it okay just to get this over with and not spend, not bring everybody back here again. Okay, so uh, I am, do not intend to violate the municipal code uh, that I swore that I would uphold, but I will 
the mayor pro tem and I with the city manager and the staff will come back and figure out, and I get the sense of the council and we'll figure out uh, the best way to try and uh, accommodate the sense of the council. If you would allow that to be what happens between now and the next meeting, um, I'd, I'd prefer that to either one of your motions. All right, I, I'm willing to just have you guys take a look at it and come back with something, but I, I just, I think you understand that most of us are not exactly pleased with the outcome. I, I just said so I thought I, I thought the the sense of, of the All majority right. of the council. But, and it'll be at the next meeting, correct? But you also said that if we just approve the eight thousand dollars, then we would be done. Well, we. So I would then second. We would ha well. I'd have suit. to find a way to do it that that would be uh, legal under the code. Well, Can as, we, I, as I noted before, Mr. Mayor, members of the council, you can't allocate $8,000 and then retain a city a crossing guard mm -hmm. because that's the city manager's prerogative consistent with good traffic and right. engineering studies. You could approve $8,000 and allocate it to the school district. However, they do not have to accept it for the purpose intended unless they want to voluntarily agree. They have the authority under the education code to employ crossing guards to place at intersections. Whether they want to do that with the money that you're willing to provide them that's another question. All right, the, let us try to figure out the creative way to uh, to accommodate what you want. I think that's a very good suggestion, but I wouldn't want to wait another meeting if 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 what what you come back with doesn't seem to put it on as an action item. So I wonder if it can be done simultaneously, that or when you do agendize this, that you word it in such a way that my uh, motion could be made. All right. Well, my first priority would be to try to find a way to do it so that this never has to come back to the council again. Okay. I don't know whether that's possible, but that's something that I would that would I would explore first. Then, uh, but I but I will I will make sure that on the next council, if that's not accomplished, that there's a, an action item for okay. the council to to take action, whatever that has to be. Okay. Okay. If you don't trust me, go make, no, a, make no, whatever no, no, motions no, you no, want. No, 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 no. But if I was, no, what I was thinking when I was kind of looking at you, it was um, that I would, I'm, I'm assuming that part of your work will be looking at, reaching out to the school district with the idea that maybe they could hire someone. Because if not, then. Yeah. Okay. Okay. It, it, it will be, although I'll tell you, I don't think that that's going to be what they're going to want to do. And, and some, I can indicate that I've received some calls from parents from other schools that have some issues now because of that exact, the, the school district may or may not need their funds in other locations. So that, that is not something yeah. that likely will be. We're going to look into that, yeah, but I don't think that, that, my guess is that's not going to be, if we're, we're going to try to figure out a way we can just do what, what it is that uh, the majority of the council wants to do. You have your work cut out for you. Sure. It's okay. Okay. Is, that, is everyone all right with that? Okay. So we are we are still considering this, and we're trying to figure out a way to uh, to see how we can uh, how we can accommodate it. All right. Right. And uh, but we we can have Lewis go out and spend a little more time at this intersection, do some of that, and okay. All right. Very good. Uh, that concludes item number seven.
of our very short agenda for you. We have the check register. Does anyone have any questions on the check register? Seeing none. We will move to task force reports. Are there any task force reports? Um, I have two reports. Councilmember Martin and I um, met this week with uh, Headwaters Corner and Debbie Bruch Sharpton now, and she has asked if she could be on an, an agenda to come up and um, give an overview and update on what's going on at Headwaters Corner. So uh, if we could add that to future agenda items if, if it's not there yet. And we also had a meeting with um, Jim Jordan, our safety official, and it was very productive. He's doing a great job, as is our Public Safety Commission. No news there other than um, uh, the flu clinic, which we already promoted, but um, there are some council action items in every emergency plan, and he was gonna go back and find them. It's like a checklist of what council is expected to do, and he'll be sharing that with us. Was there any, anything else, I think? I think that was it. Very good, thank you for that report. Any other task force reports? City manager's report. Yes, a couple of things. Uh, I met uh, this week with, with the new operators of the Maddie's uh, Market. It's, it's, a, it's, a, it's a grocery store called Erewhon, which is an old grocery store. There's one on uh, uh, West Hollywood on Beverly uh, near the Grove there. And so they're pretty much uh, an organic, all organic uh, kind of grocery store and doing uh, very, very well. On the, uh, Dave Dollinger, the owner of, uh, of the center, called to talk to me a little bit about the, uh, what's going on with the fish market up there. He said that there is a dispute between uh, the owners, but it may, they may be sorted out, and one of them may well reopen the restaurant if they get their, uh, their issues sorted out. A lot of tenant improvements, so it probably behooves them to, uh, to sort it out and, 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 and keep their lease. So that's my report. <laughs> okay. Future agenda items. Councilwoman Maurer mentioned the MRT, and we can uh, schedule that uh, at the convenience of Debbie Bruchet. We'd love to have that report. Any other future agenda items? Um, not a future agenda item, but um, the city manager was going to ask um, Hidden Hills, the new person that we have put on the library commission mm -hmm. since they've joined us. Um, that we have her come in and just introduce herself to everyone. Yeah, uh, so I, I, I forgot to thank, thanks for reminding me. Hidden Hills uh, Council uh, appointed, uh, you, you probably all know her, Britt Aronson, uh, to be the, uh, the ex-official member of the Library Commission now that they've generously given us the money to use in the library. So Council uh, Member Mountain suggested that maybe we invite Britt just to come up and say hi so everybody uh, can meet her. That'd be, and, uh, that'd be fine. She is a former Calabasas City Library Commissioner, so she's pretty well known, but it is always wonderful to see Britt, and we can invite her to come be introduced quickly at the beginning of the meeting. Anything else um, on future agenda items? I just want to remind everybody that next meeting is our traditional thing that nobody follows but me, which is wearing, uh, <laughs> you know, wearing costumes for Halloween. 
Really? I want. I did wear my. I have orange, of course, and black, and then I'm wearing my, Halloween, my Snoopy Halloween tie, or my Peanuts Halloween tie, and of course our logo. That I don't know if staff focus on it. Are they going to show the logo to the public? The new logo. There we go. It's so subtle, and uh, it just fits in great. And of course, if the, I had it my way, it'd be three year round. But, anyways, thank you for. Remembering to put that up every October. That's it. All right. I, I read uh, a book at the preschool story time yesterday, and I told them I was in my mayor's costume. <laughs> but So that's not good enough? I'm wearing it now, too. No. No? Okay. All right. We'll see if we come up with something else. All right. Um, we are going to adjourn into a closed session that's on our agenda. Is there anyone here to make public comment regarding the matter on closed session agenda? We've not received any cards, and there is no one in the audience. With that, then, we will adjourn, uh, adjourn excuse me, into our closed session. <laughs>